Thank you, Simon. Good morning. It's uh, four minutes past six. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. We've got, genuinely got a packed show this morning. Sometimes we, we say that, and it's, it's a little bit flabby and a little bit light on content, <laughs> being honest with you. But today's show is, is, is genuinely full of, of good stuff to talk about, including, you'll get the latest on this ridiculous saga that is my life, about this blooming lawnmower. Developments were made yesterday. I've had people phoning in offering to sell me lawnmowers and fix mine for cash in hand. More on the cash in hand later on as well. David Cameron admits he's paid people cash in hand, so that's <laughs> that's David Gork put to rights. Uh, so on this morning's show, uh, we'll be talking about Mary Portas, uh, and we'll be speaking to uh, someone from Bedford and finding out how they are spending the money that they've got. We'll be talking about revenge as well. There's a story in the newspaper uh, about uh, an estranged husband who uh, exacted um, a strong and strange revenge on his wife. And we'll be asking if you've ever um, th- th- had revenge, taken revenge on, on someone. Uh, and we'll be talking as well about the Saracens' new ground. All of that and more this morning. Don't forget, uh, the show's all about you. Forget me just sitting here w- wittering away to myself like some kind of sad old man, which, which is what I'm becoming, but um, I'm embracing it. Uh, if you want to take part in the show this morning, you're more than welcome. There are three main ways you can do it. Uh, you can email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR. But the best way for you to get in touch, I think, is to give me a call. 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. We were arguing about this. Who had the original hit with this? It wasn't Top Loader. It wasn't Womack and Womack, was it? That's who I'm putting my money on. Could you let me know? 81333. Who sang this originally? Thank you. Ah, there's Top Loader and Dancing in the Moonlight. We're still trying to find out who did the original of that. I'm, 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 my money's on Womack and Womack, but uh, I'm not 100% sure. 81333, start your text, 3CR. Rescuers who'd spent hours searching for a woman buried by a landslide on a beach in Dorset have found a body police believe it's a missing 22-year-old woman who was on the sands when she was trapped by a rockfall from the cliffs above. It happened on the Jurassic Coast near Bridport. The beach was packed with holidaymakers enjoying the sunny weather on the hottest day of the year so far. Liz Rice saw what happened. It's a huge cloud of yellow dust um, from the rocks, from the cliff. It just landed on the beach. It's a huge cloud. So obvious that a massive cliff fall had happened and we were just all hoping that no one was under it. It was yesterday afternoon when Coast Guards received an emergency call. 400 tonnes of rock and rubble had fallen from the cliff path onto the beach below. A huge rescue operation began involving diggers and sniffer dogs, but the risk of another landslip made it hazardous for the crews. While the search was still underway, McStead from Dorset Fire and Rescue spoke to the media. The situation is obviously very dangerous, and we are conscious that there is a real risk to emergency service personnel as well working in that environment, so that's some of the risk we have to manage. Emergency services believe the recent heavy rain and this week's hot weather may have contributed to the cliff's collapse. It came uh, two weeks after a couple were killed in a landslide in a road tunnel a few miles away. Holidaymakers in West Dorset are being warned to stay away from the cliffs. Now... We're looking at some of the papers, and we'll do the front page of the papers in a little bit. There's a story in the... Da- the Daily Mail is a paper that I really have very little time for, but it's becoming my favourite newspaper. 
because some of the, you know it, it, it's it, it, well, the things that the Daily Mail and the Daily Express will always have a health story uh, that red wine um, cures MS or that cheese gives uh, you a tumour every day we'll have a look we'll see what the Daily Mail's health story is today we'll find it because it's always something Alzheimer's can be cured by flying a kite it's always something that you just think really have they done any medical research in that uh, but there's a story in the mail online I, I'm assuming it's in the newspaper uh, DIY divorce. Jilted husband saws furniture in two and daubs Kev's half on cushions in bitter revenge against wife. Now, this is incredible and it's a little bit extreme. Uh, and if you look at the pictures, it's obviously the work of someone who's very upset. I think we can say that quite safely. It's, it's an upset person. But basically, he's gone into the home. Uh, and the sofa, there's a picture of a sofa here. And his, he's written on one side of it, my half. Now, what he's also done is uh, he's he's slashed his half of the sofa. Now, if I was going to do any damage, I'd do it to the other. I'd do it to her side. I wouldn't do it at all, by the way, if, if uh, my wife is listening. Uh, and in the bathroom, he has labelled um, which side of the bath is his, which side of the sink is his, and which of the tiles in the bathroom. And I have to say, we have those tiles in my bathroom. These exact ones. We haven't got that little board a bit, but we've got those exact tiles. So, while this is obviously a little bit extreme, uh, and perhaps goes a little bit far, I I was wondering if you could let me know your tales of revenge, whether you've exacted revenge on somebody, or someone has done it on you. Let's try and keep it light-hearted. Let's not have, I murdered my uh, ex-wife's cat. Let's not do anything like that, because, you know... It's a nice bouncy day. Let's try and keep it light and fluffy, shall we? But any stories of revenge? I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever done anything um, revengeful. I mean, I've driven past someone's house a few times and, and you know, flick the, you know, flick the V's. That's pretty much as far as it goes. Because I don't think I could do any. Oh, I may have, I may have ordered a few pizzas and sent them to the address. I may have done that, that kind of thing. But I was young, and it was a long time ago, and I wouldn't, would never endorse or condone or recommend anything like that. But you, dear listener, if you've ever done anything uh, like that, maybe someone has, has broken your heart, has run off with another man or a woman, has let you down, and you thought, you know what? I'm not going to take this lying down. I'm going to get some form of revenge. Could you let me know if you have? You can text in, of course. 81333, starting your text 3CR. But the best way, I think, to discuss this... It would be for you to give me a phone call on 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. This is quite an extreme one, this gentleman uh, in the Daily Mail, where he's, uh, he has gone into the home and he's... I mean, this picture of the sofa is incredible. He's got a marker pen and he's written, my half, and then he slashed his half. That's, a, that's, that's an extreme thing to do. But maybe you've done something a, a little bit less extreme, a little bit less intense. 08459 455 555. This morning we are looking for your tales of revenge. What have you done? Why did you do it? And was there any comeback on it? Beds, hearts and bugs news. BBC Three Counties Radio. These are your headlines this morning on Wednesday the 25th of July on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hatfield has been chosen as one of 15 towns across the country to revive its high street as part of the second wave in the Mary Porter's pilot. The Hertfordshire town will get a share of one and a half million pounds, but Bedfordshire town Dunstable misses out again. A teenage karate teacher is due to be sentenced today after being convicted of stabbing his 19-year-old girlfriend to death on Boxing Day as she babysat two young children in Boreham Wood. 
in sport. Watford recorded their first win in pre-season with a 2-0 victory in Ireland against Cork City. There'll be a full weather bulletin in a moment with Steve Weston. And coming up, some weeks ago, Bedford was named as one of the first Porter's Pilots towns that retail expert Mary Porter's will help to regenerate. Next, we'll find out how Bedford is getting on as Hatfield has been named as another. McCartney's in the papers. I like, I like McCartney. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the Beatles, and I do like McCartney, and I, I'm also a huge fan of, um, of some of his solo work, Wings, the, the band the Beatles could have been. But sometimes you kind of... <laughs> sometimes you kind of think, McCartney, what are you doing? He's, he's come out in the paper today um, branding the people that didn't pick David Beckham to play for Team GB as idiots... He's called them idiots. He said, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing slightly, this is not a direct quote for, from Sir Paul McCartney, uh, that, of course, David Beckham should have been chosen uh, to play for England because he's a national treasure. Uh, Great Britain, I do apologise. Great Britain. He's a national treasure, uh, and he's good enough to play. Is he good enough to play? Is McCartney right? Is, should David Beckham have been picked to play for Team GB? He's old, and I know they're allowed to have three, I think, isn't it, mature players. Should he have been picked? Isn't he a little bit past his prime? Wasn't, um, weren't the people who in charge, uh, Stuart Pearce, I think, if I've um, got my football facts right, as you, as you may know, dear listener, I know very little about football. football. I'm, I'm literally at the boundary of my knowledge here. But was Stuart Pearce right not to pick David Beckham? He said, Becker, uh, the peer says, that it, it, the best team, he wants to have the best team, and Beckham wasn't good enough. Now, surely, that's right, isn't it? That's exactly the right attitude to have. You don't want to pick Beckham if he's not going to be able to score the goals. Now, as someone who's not a fan of football, is, is Beckham past it? Is he over the hill? His best days are, are, are behind him. 08459 455 555. Was Stuart Pearce right? If indeed it was Stuart Pearce. Was he right not to have picked David Beckham? Or is Paul McCartney right in blasting the uh, the Team GB football bosses idiots for not allowing Beckham to play? They've had to scale down the number of tickets for the football matches because um, they've not done particularly well. Whereas a lot of the other events have sold out the football matches. Um, they haven't done very well at all and they've, they've completely cut back the number of seats available for the matches. W- would more people have gone if Beckham was playing? I mean, he must be gutted, surely. It was him that helped secure the bid. So he must be fuming, storming around his mansion, kicking walls and um, effing and jeffing like nobody's business. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. You can text as well. 81333, starting your text, 3CR, or email... 3CR at bbc.co.uk. Were the Team GB football bosses correct not to have picked David Beckham? Or is Paul McCartney right on this one? Uh, and they should have picked Beckham. In all fairness, what does McCartney know about this, really? He's playing at the uh, Olympic ceremony. I'm looking, forward to, I'm looking forward to hearing Live and Let Die with fireworks yet again. Because that seems to be his uh, his regular... Um, musical excursion when he's doing something to celebrate the nation. It's always a little bit of live and let die. And I love it. I mean, McCartney's past his prime, isn't he? And uh, and let's be honest, his voice is is not up to what it was. But then again, he's a 70-year-old man. My granddad, 
If he was 70, he wouldn't be able to put on a show half as good as McCartney's. It would be awful. 08459 555. Should Beckham be playing for Team GB? Or were the organisers completely right not to pick him because we want the best team that's available to us? Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've got the best weather team in the country, for goodness sakes. It's Steve Weston. Steve, what have we got? Well, best weather in the world, I think. Excellent. Yeah, there's the weather forecast from me, Steve Weston. Steve, thank you very much. The BBC in beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Hatfield has been chosen as one of 15 towns across the country to be given money to revive its high street as part of the Mary Portas pilot. It'll get a share of £1.5 million and is aiming to create event facilities to encourage more visitors. The news is being announced this morning by Welling Hatfield MP and local government, government minister Grant Shapps. In May, Bedford was chosen as one of the first towns to get the money. Christina Rowe is director of Bedford BID, which stands for Business Improvement District. Good morning, Christina. Yeah, good morning to you. Uh, what have you been doing since May? Um, we've been busy. Um, by virtue of the fact of what our bid was about, which was using empty units, we've been looking for our available unit, negotiating on our, negotiating on our units, l- sorting about rates, all those behind-the-scenes mm. practicality things that need to be done. Um, part of our programme, too, is about a mentoring workshop so we've been talking to National Skills Academy as well as on-site businesses like some of our big boys, Wilkinson's Boots, etc., Lloyd's Bank, uh, to get involved. Um, looking at our timeframes, we're going to be going to consultation because one of the things that we're going to be doing is going out talking to people about, um, in terms of what we've got on offer for our retail, what people would like to see or perhaps not like to see in Bedford. Uh, in September, launching in October, and then doing first workshops in November. We've been developing our team. We've had lots of people contacting us to say that they'd like to be involved. Uh, We've also, um, through the Portus pilot uh, scheme, been talking to the Arts Council about some more funding to do with an additional scheme to latch on to our programme. So that's probably, in a nutshell, what we've been up to over the last month or so. It's a big nutshell, Christina. It sounds like you've been very busy. You won, is it right, about £50,000? Yes, £51,000. Is that enough? Because in the great scheme of things, it's not a, I mean, it's, obviously it's great, but it's not a lot of money. Is that going to be enough to, to achieve what you hope to achieve? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because we took the view that we wanted to put together an application that was very specific about our needs. We based it on something that was tried and tested last year. We built upon it. So we've sort of got a model that we know is going to work. So we've put together a a budget Mm. um, and, and a figure that we feel... Yeah, but having said that, as I say, that the sort of things that are coming out of this now, and this is one of the great things about the Portus Pilot, is the leveraging of the brand of working with, with Portus, Mary Portus, and indeed the industry, is that it's giving other opportunities, um, like the Arts Council, mm. possibly some match funding from other means, which, again, we're looking into. So, yeah, I mean, it would be wonderful if we could try and, you know, top it up a bit. But having said that, we're fine with what we've got. Christina, Dunstable missed out again for the second time. Have you got any advice for them? What made your bid so successful? Well, you'd have to talk to the people that made the decisions. We don't know why we were successful. Um, we know that our application and the structure of that application was sound. It was professional. We put a lot of thought into it. I, I have to admit, I'm very sorry, but I don't know Dunstable very well, but I was part of the conversation when it was first announced. 
and um, it sounds as though that they have some, some issues going on there. One of the strengths that we have in Bedford is that, and again, which I think is what the Porter's Pilot is very much about, is coming together as a team. And that's what we've got in Bedford, that there's um, a passion for change, a, a desire for change, and driven by the people in the town itself, by the businesses and the people that really want to make it happen. That's how the spark is going to work. Um, and I would say that, you know, as a team of people, that's what they need to do. They need to have a very clear vision about what they want to do uh, and, and, you know, try and sell it and, and present it well. Christina, you mentioned empty units. What are you hoping to do with these empty units? We've got, I mean, it's probably described by three words, showcase sales and support. What we do, what happened last year was there's um, pop-up units now. They're temporary units where people come in, they take a unit for a short period of time. So we're taking that concept of young um, entrepreneurs, mm. fledgling businesses, providing the facility to trial and test a theme, a design, a concept, give them some support and guidance about what it's like to actually set up a business, give them some support and guidance, uh, advice about um, practical aspects such as uh, marketing, customer service, linking them in with mentors like, as I say, some of our larger retailers that understand what it's like to work with customers in today um, because retail has changed very much over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, and therefore to try and educate them, give them some support, and then also then a facility in which they can start to promote and sell with a view to maybe moving on to staying in Bedford so we can keep talent in Bedford for a unit. Christina, uh, finally, very quickly, when are you hoping to have the first unit up and running? Well, we've got our workshops planning for November, so in terms of what... What transpires from then, it'll either be Christmas or the New Year. Superb. Christina, thank you very much. Best of luck with that. It's Christina Rowe, who is Director of Bedford Bid, which stands for Business Improvement District. Uh, later on, we're going to hear from uh, a woman, uh, the woman in Hatfield who was behind their bid. Uh, it's interesting, this, isn't it? Because it, this is all about the rejuvenation of the high street and trying to get people back into the high street. There was a story yesterday, wasn't there, about how the government uh, are going to uh, make it harder to build sort of those shopping centres, not quite centres, but outside of town, that they want to try and get people back into the town. Do you use your local shops? Does this kind of thing that they're doing in Dunstable, does that... Uh, no, sorry, not in Dunstable, I'm in Bedford. Does that kind of thing appeal to you? Would you be more inclined to go into your local high street and go to your local stores? Um... If there were things like this, if they were encouraging small businesses, pop-up businesses, pop-up businesses is the new buzzword at the moment in the high street. Everywhere is trying to encourage pop-up businesses because it gives small, uh, young businesses the chance to uh, uh, taste what it's like to to run a store without necessarily the huge overheads that that would uh, entail. 08459 455 555. When did you last go to your high street and not go to one of those big, slightly out-of-town supermarkets? Are you a fan of the high street? And what would you like to see done to your high street to make it more attractive? 08459 455 555. On FM, AM and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. This morning on the show, looking for your tales of revenge, we're asking, is Paul McCartney right, and should David Beckham have been picked for Team GB? And what would make you go back to your high street? 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. I promised you I'd find you the uh, health story in the Daily Mail. A single pill for Alzheimer's, stroke and MS. Oh, excited. You get excited. You think, oh, yes, because my mum's got MS. So I read stuff like this. I think, wow. 
Fantastic. And then, as always with these stories, you read the last paragraph. Uh, the t- drug needs more rigorous testing, which is still at least five years away from the market. Oh, I see. Thank you so much. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter, uh, at Ian Lee. Um, and we've been asking for your stories of revenge, as amongst other things. This is incredible. If this is true, Joseph Johnson, then you are a, a, a terrible, terrible person. I want nothing more to do with you. Unfollow me immediately. Uh, I once got my best mate to tell my girlfriend I died after we'd had a massive row. It certainly worked. In what way did it work, Joseph? How... How did that work? What were you hoping to achieve with that? Um, and we're also asking as well, uh, should uh, David Beckham have been picked for Team GB? Um, this is after Paul McCartney has, uh, has gone bonkers and said that the people who didn't pick him were idiots. Uh, and Sunrise fan has said, yes, he should have been picked. He's an ambassador for sport and the games. But is he good enough? Surely the t- decision has to be, is he good enough to win the game? That makes sense, doesn't it? Or does it not matter? Is the fact that he's such an important figurehead, and, and he is an ambassador, and he's a, you know, he's a great man. The things that he's done for not only sport, but for, for, ev- for lots of other things. Maybe he should have just been, maybe we should have just given it to him. You know. 08459 455 555. And we've had a text uh, from Julie talking about her high streets. Uh, I've lived in Bedfordshire 20 years. The funny thing is, Bedford won the bid, but I would never go to Bedford. But I would go to Dunstall. What would make you go to your high street? Do you, do you go to your high street? Do you favour the, the, the smaller shops? As opposed to the big chains? Even though maybe they're slightly more expensive, perhaps. Saracen's New Ground, a Barnet Cop... Now, this is the... <laughs> I, I was running up to it. Let me tell you this. It, it, it's Coppel. Coppel. Is that right? Coptor. I have driven past this sign thousands of times in the past years. And I have never known how to say it. I've never known how to say it. Coptal. Because I thought, is it cop, copped hall or cop fall? It's neither. It's coptal. And, I'm, and if, if nothing else, this story today has taught me how to say this, and the, the, the frustration will, uh, will go. Saracen's new ground at Barnet Coptal Stadium will be named Alliance Park, the club have confirmed. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm struggling so much this morning. A six-year deal worth £8 million has been signed with the German financial services provider with stadium naming rights part of the agreement. Saracen's chairman, Nigel Ray, says it's a big moment for the club. Without wanting to get whimsical about it, I mean, the fact is that if you get the chance... How many people get the chance to build a great stadium in London? Well, hardly anybody is the answer. I've got the chance, we've got the chance, and we want to create something... We don't want to create a stadium. We want to create something that's fantastic and everybody's going to be really, really proud of. So what's going to be special about uh, Allianz Park? Well, the location, for a start, is, is, is without doubt the best located stadium in London by a mile, this being very near the M1, etc., etc. Uh, it, we're, we're not... We, 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 want it, we want it to be different. So we want... When you come here, it's not... We don't want the experience to be like every other corporate venture, every other stadium you've ever been in where the bar's always over there, the carpet's there. We want it to be different. And we want it... So people come in and they will go... And ladies will come in and go, Oh, yeah, I don't mind spending the afternoon here. So Saracens have been known for pushing the bar in different directions on the pitch. You're expecting that off the pitch as well this, with this? I think we've got any choice. Because uh, by, def- by definition, if, 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 if we're um, average, uh, 
then who wants to be average? So, and the only way you're not going to be average if you try to be different. Because if you try to be the same as everybody else, by definition, you're average. So we have no choice. We have to be different. Because the only way we're going to attract people to, to us in greater and greater volumes is if we're, if we're special. We have to be special. We can't be ordinary. And that was our reporter, Simon Ward, with Nigel Ray, the Saracens chairman. I think we've got a couple of minutes just to quickly go through the front pages of the papers and we'll have a, uh, a more detailed look. Uh, a little bit later on in the show. The Daily Telegraph, the great cash-in-hand fiasco, minister who condemned payments as morally wrong faces backlash as Cameron, Clegg and Cable admit they did it. Um, and, oh, look at this, well, you know, I'm, I'm a dad now, so I can enjoy stuff like this. There's a great picture uh, of a kid, eight, Oscar Bannim, um, uh, dancing, it looks like there's a sprinkler or something, and celebrating the heat. My little boy was playing with a hose in the back garden yesterday, and it was a joy. It was a joy until he sprayed me with it, and then it was a pain. Uh, the Guardian, eight face hacking charges, Coulson and Brooks among those accused. The Times, there's, uh, Boris Johnson with his new Bieber haircut, um, with, uh, who's he with? Tessa Sanderson, uh, Kelly Holmes, uh, and Jane Torville. Uh, and eight face hacking charges, uh, Rebecca Brooks and Andy Coulson to be put on trial. The Independent, Murdoch's finest brought to trial, the Daily Express, now you pay £750 a year to be in the EU. Uh, the Daily Mail, a gold medal for cynicism. First border staff call strike now tube drivers who've already had a £1,000 sweetener joined Olympic saboteurs. The Daily Mirror's got that terrible story about um, the young lady that was buried alive on the beach. Uh, the Sun, this is where this whole uh, should David Beckham um, be playing um, comes from. David, uh, get Beck. Macca blasts Team GB idiot after David left out of the footy side. Give me a call on that. 08459 455 555. Should David Beckham have been picked for Team GB? Beds, hearts and bugs news. BBC Three Counties Radio. These are your headlines this morning on Wednesday the 25th of July on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hatfield has been chosen as one of 15 towns across the country to revive its high street as part of the second wave in the Mary Portas pilot. The Hertfordshire town will get a share of £1.5 million, but Bedfordshire town Dunstable misses out again. A teenage karate teacher is due to be sentenced today after being convicted of stabbing his 19-year-old girlfriend to death on Boxing Day as she babysat two young children in Boreham Wood. In sport, Watford recorded their first win in pre-season with a 2-0 victory in Ireland against Cork City. And your weather across beds, hearts and bucks, hot and sunny once again with a top temperature 29 degrees Celsius. Coming up, yesterday saw the Leveson inquiry into press standards come to an end. Now, eight people will be prosecuted over phone hacking. We'll speak to our reporter with the latest next. He's back today. He was off yesterday and uh, if, if you follow Jonathan on Twitter he didn't laugh witter on. As, as much as he witters on in real life he bangs on on Twitter but he's back um, this morning at nine o'clock so I should be looking forward to that. Now, don't forget that while I'm doing this I'm here um, next week I think is my last week. So this week and next week. So if uh, if any point we talk about anything on the show that you want to have your say on, uh, then please do give me a call. It's always good to get your phone calls. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And for those interested, well, probably not that many of you, but the uh, the lawnmower saga continues. I'll will tell you more about my flipping lawnmower nightmare as it continues. It took us it took a step forward yesterday. Not necessarily a particularly good one. Oh, wait, 459-455-555. Simon and Garfunkel. Simon and Garfunkel, I always forget how much I like Simon and Garfunkel. Then I hear them and go, oh, yeah, I really like you. There was a brilliant documentary on BBC4 a few months ago about the Bridge Over Trouble Water album. Fantastic, because they hate, they hate each other, don't they? That's, that's kind of pretty well known. 
Do they still hate each other? Imagine having to... Do you work with someone you hate? We've all done it. We've all done it. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> no, not at all. But that'd be weird, wouldn't it? 08459 455 555. I'm looking this morning for your tales of revenge. Uh, and also, I want to know, after this front page of The, the Sun, get back. Macca blasts Team GB idiots after David left out of footy side. Should David Beckham have been picked for Team GB? So Paul McCartney has branded Team GB football chiefs idiots for leaving David Beckham out of our Olympic team. The ex-Beatle, 70. He's 70 years old. Who will sing at the game's opening ceremony, spoke out amid last gasp calls for Bex to be picked. Macca said he's a national hero. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. It's the top story in most of this morning's broadsheet newspapers. Uh, eight people are to be prosecuted over the phone hacking scandal at the News of the World. My phone was hacked. I might tell you about that in a minute. Including two former editors, Andy Coulson, who used to work for David Cameron, and Rebecca Brooks, a close friend of the Prime Minister. I'm joined now by our political correspondent, Paul Rowley. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Ian. How significant is this? It's highly significant. This is going to involve some of the most prominent figures in, in British journalism, or at least used to be, facing possible prison sentences for their involvement in hacking the phones of a veritable cast of A-list celebrities, from Hollywood stars like Brad Pitt and Angela Jolie, football figures like Wayne Rooney and Sven Joran Eriksson, politicians such as John Prescott and, and David Blunkett, along with members of the public like Millie Dowler, the murdered schoolgirl, and, and John Tulloch, who was involved in the London bombings in 2005, all told Ian, it's, it's alleged the, that the voice messages of around 650 people were intercepted over six years. I don't know if one of those is you. Uh, when it finally comes to court, though, this is going to be one of the, I would say, one of the most sensational trials in British legal history. How damaging is this? to David Cameron. Immensely so. I mean, one of those charges, Andy Coulson, employed by the Prime Minister as his communications director, first in opposition, and then when he entered Downing Street, despite a lot of people questioning that judgment, saying, well, you know, he, he did resign as editor of the News of the World, although he did say, when he did so, he didn't know anything about the phone hacking that was going on. I think, intriguingly, though, uh, the other former editor who's been charged is Rebecca Brooks, who's a near neighbour of David Cameron's in Oxfordshire, married to a former schoolmate in Charlie Brooks, they were regular texters in their time. It's interesting that both of them are accused of uh, uh, being involved specifically in the hacking of Millie Dowler's phone, which uh, you would argue is the most emotive case of the lot, really. David Cameron's always defended his appointment of Andy Coulson. He's always said he wanted to give him a second chance, as it were. Trouble is, I think, uh, as this drags on, his worry, I suspect, is whether the voters give David Cameron a second chance at the next election. And what happens next? All eight of them will appear before magistrates next month, then it will go to the Crown Court. The earliest, I would imagine, would be of spring of next year. But I suspect it's going to be a long-running saga. This The mm. difficulty, in a way, is all eight are charged with the, um, the C-word, conspiracy, uh, to intercept phone messages. Some would argue conspiracies are very vague, in a way, although the Crown Prosecution Service would say they don't have to prove that those uh, charged actually hacked the phones themselves. Merely, they were complicit in it. They agreed to it. They plotted to, to be involved. So it, it's an uncomfortable one for David Cameron. I think the problem is this story risks drowning at any positive message the government wants to deliver over the course of the next few months and years uh, because it's a, it's a distraction. It's very embarrassing in that respect because of the connection and no doubt his political opponents will uh, reinforce that uh, connection. Well, this thing drags on and on. But, but, but Paul, I'm going to ask you a question you may not be able to answer as you are a political correspondent and not our compensation correspondent. <laughs> My phone was hacked. Can I get some money for that? Um, was it hacked by a journalist? Oh, I don't know! 
I just know it was hard. I'll tell you how I know is because um, I would... This was about nine years ago when I was doing a TV show. Mm. Um, and the girl I was doing it with had her phone hacked. And I would go to my um, messages and it, I would hear new messages that I hadn't heard before but it would say that I didn't have any new messages, so someone had listened to them. Yeah, I mean, I think... Have you contacted the police over it? No, I haven't. I'm, I'm, should I? I would try. I w- to be honest with you, seriously, if you think that happened, I don't know, as I say, there are, are more than 600 people who have been named of allegedly hat. Uh, you could get compensation uh, yes. directly or indirectly, although we can all get compensation. I've been getting phone calls. I, I was at home yesterday for the first time in quite a while because mm. the House of Commons isn't sitting. My phone must have gone a dozen times with a, a message at, saying... I maybe possibly I could get up to three thousand uh, pounds for um, some uh, loans that I didn't take out. So uh, there is always compensation because there is a compensation culture in this Paul, country. We are to- you and I are totally quids in. <laughs> let's come on. Let's let, let's both cash in our chips and let's let's go to a nightclub and, and buy some drinks. Yeah, but then we, our phones would be hacked if we went to a nightclub <laughs> together, David. It's Ian, but never mind. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Paul, thank you very much. Paul Rowley there, uh, who uh, is our political correspondent. My phone was hacked. Uh, and also, also, get this. I'm such an idiot. This is about nine years ago. Uh, someone phoned up from my, claiming to be from my service provider, saying, hello, in, uh, from your service provider, just want to check a few details because we've got some excellent offers for you, including a new handset. Can we just have your address? Just confirm it to you. I gave him the address. Uh, and can we have your password? And I gave them the password. And then the guy went... Uh, I've got to go. My boss has just walked in. I'll give you a call back later on with details of these offers we've got for you. And me being an idiot went, oh, okay, yeah, all right, thanks very much. Speak to you later. And then I'm sat there, and an hour later, I'm thinking, that's that's odd, isn't it? That was an odd thing to have happened. So I phoned up my service provider and said, did you um, call me about an hour ago with some offers? They went, let me just check the computer, sir. Nope. Nothing at all. We, We didn't call you. Like, right, can I change my password, please? I'm an idiot, I gave up. Now if people phone me up, if my bank phone me up, you know sometimes they phone you up um, to verify if you've made certain purchases on your, uh, on your cards and things like that, and they ask for your, uh, your, um, your password. I never give it to them. And they say, well, we can't, uh, we can't verify this. And I say, well, you know, you've called me, so you know that it's me. I don't know it's you. You could be anybody. So there is no way... I'm giving you my password. No way. I like playing games with people that phone me up. 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. I'm looking in the next hour for your um, stories of revenge against exes after this guy broke into his uh, ex-wife's house and wrote cut the furniture in half and wrote my half all over it and in the bathroom. And also, should David Beckham have been called up for Team GB? Coming up in the next hour, empty homes, more on Mary Portas and your tales of revenge. And should David Beckham have been picked for Team GB? All that and more after the latest news and sport with Simon Oxley. Thank you, Simon. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Answering the question that we set an hour ago... King Harvest did Dancing in the Moonlight first time round. Thank you very much, Andy Lane. This is what I like about this job. Is I can ask you anything. And you're brilliant. You lot, you just get back in touch with the answer. It's wonderful. Uh, This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio with your breakfast show this morning. Coming up in this hour, talk more about uh, Mary Portas and the money that's being dished out to high streets. Talking about your high street. 
Do you go? Or do you go to those sort of little out-of-town or shopping mall-type things? Do you support your local business? If so, why? And if you don't, what would make you use your high street more? Uh, empty Homes, David Beckham and Revenge. 08459 455 555. All of that and a lot more between now and 9 o'clock on BBC Three Counties Radio. On FM, AM and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hatfield Town Centre is going to get a makeover. It's been chosen along with 15 other towns to receive £1.5 million from the government as part of the Mary Portas pilot. The news is being announced this morning by the Wellin Hatfield MP and local government minister Grant Chaps. Hatfield missed out in the first election earlier this year when Bedford was successful. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, is in Hatfield for us. Good morning, Justin. Yes, good morning, Ian. And uh, sunshine again in Hatfield this morning. Very, very nice indeed. Hatfield is it's not your conventional town centre, I would say. And I think for, for anybody who's been here before will back me up on that. They have the, the Hatfield Galleria, which is mainly factory outlet stores. And then you've got lots of shops kind of dotted around the town. But certainly, this is great news for Hatfield. John Joining me live in the radio car is Lynn Sparks, uh, chair of the Hatfield Town team, who put this bid in. You must be absolutely delighted with this. I'm thrilled. So excited. We've been working on this for such a long time now, and I'm so pleased it's come together. Really keen now to get on with it. And let's talk about the cash. Is it £100,000? Is that correct? Yes, the bid was £100,000. We should get hold of that money in a couple of weeks, um, and then we can get on and, and spend it. We'll talk about how you are going to spend that very, very soon, but um, you have missed out before, so why this time? Why were you successful this time with your bid? We did get feedback after our first bid, and we decided that we would focus more on what other towns could learn from Hatfield being a pilot. We focused on the fact that the redevelopment in the town is starting soon, and we want to build on on, uh, the vibrancy of the town during that disruption. Now, as part of this plan, you're saying that you're planning to bring the heart back into the town centre. How exactly do you plan to do that, then? We've got a lot of community ideas. Um, We're going to buy some new portable staging, so we're going to have a a programme of events. We want to revitalise the market, bring in lots more small businesses and themed markets. Uh, We're going to have free Wi-Fi, a town centre website, and a town centre shop that has got a community focus. A a lot to do with the bid is, is around building the community spirit. Because it is quite a strange setup here. I mentioned it in the introduction. When I think about my local town, Hemel Hempstead, when I think about St Albans, when I think about Dunstable, everything is mainly in one place. Here, of course, everything's all over the place, isn't it? Yes, we do have um, a very spread out town uh, as a whole with the, the Galleria and Old at Hatfield and the town centre is fragmented. So what we want to do is try and build on the connectivity between those areas and encourage people to use the town centre as a hub, get the students coming back in and, and really link up more with Hatfield House and the Galleria to try and build on some community events that we can all all share from. In the grand scheme of things, £100,000, is that really enough? It doesn't sound like a lot, but we were actually surprised at how much we could do with £100,000. And winning the bid isn't just about the money, it's about the extra support that we get from Mary Portis herself, um, a minister from the the Department of Communities and Local Government, and a variety of other organisations, British councils and Mm. associations so i think that support as well as the money will be fantastic so when is mary porter's coming to town then Uh, i'm not sure she is coming to town (laughs) we we have a workshop um in september where she'll be at and we're all invited to 
we have got somebody coming up very soon on behalf of Dunstable. What would your advice be to them? Because they have missed out again. You missed out before. What would you like to say to them to, to hopefully next time for, for them to get their bid right? Well, what we thought, um, either way, whether we won it or not, we could put together, you know, quite a lot of the ideas that we'd that had come from the, the consultation process anyway, and hopefully, they can do the same. It is, we were gutted when we, when we didn't win the first time, and I'm sure they're gutted as well. Mm-hmm. But hopefully they they've got that momentum that they can build from it anyway it feels even sweeter right now that you've oh, got it it certainly does yes <laughs> thank you so much for your time thank really you. appreciate it that's uh, councillor lynn sparks who's the chair of the hatfield town team who put this bid in and won this bid of course one hundred thousand pounds it's now back to you in the studio justin i was um, um surprised to hear that mary portas isn't particularly hands-on is it were they aware of that when they put the bid in well th- th- let's put that question to lynn we're, we're <laughs> talking about mary portas and you were saying yes there's going to be some say, some expertise there but it's not really hands-on were you aware of that from the very beginning that if you got the money she wouldn't be here helping you out being at meetings and etc etc really she has been more involved with the first round winners um and that's um but she, you know she's a busy lady we can learn from um, everybody else who's already won and the progress that they're making, we do have access to her expertise through a variety of workshop and, uh, workshops and events that are happening throughout the year, so I- I'm not disappointed you, you are convinced you can meet your objectives without her being here in Hatfield you, you're convinced you can do that? Absolutely we, as I said, we've got support from a variety of other places, so I'm absolutely convinced that we can get these plans underway Who needs Mary Porters when you've got a team like this here? They, they are still convinced they can carry on and meet those key objectives. I don't know you Justin you'll, you'll be more than happy to roll up your sleeves and get stuck in won't you <laughs> yes yes of course good of course. lad thank you very much justin dealey there uh with um uh councillor lynn spark sorry chair of hatfield town team who put the bid in now for the second time in this round of uh, of bidding uh dunstable has been unsuccessful nigel young is from central bedfordshire council he's the executive member for economic regeneration good morning nigel good morning yeah. disappointing how do you feel about missing out again well, let's congratulate Hatfield mm. first. They've obviously done a great job on their bid, and I'm delighted that uh, someone in the region has some money. Uh, we're gutted, of course, uh, but I have to I have to guess that um, the Porters team felt that we finally felt that we were perhaps better off than other towns in the regions who've been lucky enough to get the cash. Do you think it was that that they thought you were better off, or do you just think maybe your bid wasn't quite right? No, our bid actually uh, wasn't dissimilar to Hatfield's right. bid. Um, but, of course, we, we've already got a bandstand in, in our Grove House Gardens where we put on a, a large series of events throughout the summer. The town council's just taken over the market. We, we had a theme market a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we've got a website. Um, and, and you, you know, contrary to popular belief, and I think it's very important that, that residents of Dunstable try to help with this, we should be bigging Dunstable up because we've we've got two principal problems which bring the town down. One is the traffic, of course, and the A5M1 link, we know will help that. And the other is the state of the quadrant, and we're we're caught between the banks, uh, uh, leaving us unable to redevelop it. What would you have done with the money if you'd have been awarded it? What are you hoping to do? Well, a couple of the things that Hatfield mentioned, we, we wanted to encourage new businesses to come into town. So we, we were going to make, I think you, you've seen pop-up shops mentioned quite a lot. We, we wanted to provide a, a community shop. We wanted to, uh, to, to further revitalize the market. And we wanted to provide uh, a degree of business training to people who wanted to start their own businesses. We, we thought our bid was quite good. Uh, we've had Mary Portis in town before, of course, but she wasn't very pleasant to us, so 
there was something kind of personal about trying to get a crack at the money. What did, why wasn't she very pleasant? Well, I think she was comparing us to another town, and television being television, we had to have good guys and bad guys. And I recall her uh, walking out of town, having highlighted all the bad things that could be found, and des describing Dunstable as no hope in the cemetery. But the reality is that we've had half a dozen shops open in the last couple of months, and small businesses on the high street and, and in Ashton Square are, in fact, opening and thriving. The problem is the quadrant and traffic, as I said a moment ago. I missed that show. How did that... How did that make you feel, her describing it as a cemetery? Well, we were furious about it. My colleague, Carol Hegley, spent an entire afternoon uh, with Mary Portis and uh, ended up on the cutting floor, apart from, you know, a, a visual of great big crosses through shops that were closed. And to be fair, when Mary Portis came, there were something like 50 shops closed. There's now something like 25, 28 shops closed. And, and, and most, well, not most, but a substantial proportion of those are in the quadrant mm. and have been as a, as a result of national closures. Uh, but, you know, remember, we've still got Next, we've still got New Look, we've still got Boots, we've still got Clintons. It's really about regenerating that quadrant and, and opening up the high street to create, and I know this may sound uh, a long way away to many people, but to create a cafe culture by getting rid of traffic and we can do all of that in the next five years when the a5m1 link woodside link uh, are opened 25 shops close it is is quite a large number how are you going to change that and turn that around well 25 shops in the context of more than 200 shops in the high street uh, as a whole is somewhere around the national average of 11 okay. 12 percent so it's not as bad as it sounds um, and I haven't got the exact number, 25-30 still leaves us below 14%, which is, you know, is, I believe is somewhere near the national average. Nigel, thank you very much, and uh, good luck with all of that. Nigel Young from Central Bedfordshire Council. Do you live in Dunstable? I didn't know that Mary Portas had uh, described it as a cemetery. How does that make you feel? I'd be furious if I lived there. I'd be furious. 08459. Four double five five double five. Beds, hearts and bugs news. BBC Three Counties Radio. These are the headlines this morning on Wednesday the 25th of July on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hatfield has been chosen as one of 15 towns across the country to revive its high street as part of the second wave in the Mary Porter's pilot. The Hertfordshire town will get a share of one and a half million pounds but Bedfordshire town Dunstable misses out again. A teenage karate teacher is due to be sentenced today after being convicted of stabbing his 19-year-old girlfriend to death on Boxing Day as she babysat two young children in Boreham Wood. In sport, Watford recorded their first win in pre-season with a 2-0 victory in Ireland against Cork City. We'll have a full sports bulletin with Simon in 15 minutes and a full weather bulletin in a moment with Steve Weston. And coming up, we'll hear from a woman living in Bedfordshire who says she's lost her water supply ten times since New Year's Day... Oh, I'd be furious. She's been speaking to our reporter. We've got some texts uh, about should David Beckham um, uh, be playing for Team GB. I've, I've had some criticism on Twitter for even suggesting that I do this story. It's on the front page of The Sun, that's why. Because Paul McCartney has gone bonkers and has bla uh, branded the people who made the decision not to have David Beckham uh, play for Team GB as idiots. Really? McCartney, I don't, I don't know anything about football. I don't know if Beckham is still any good. Is he? I mean, he's an old man in, in the great scheme of footballing things. He's an old man. Do you think he should have been picked? Or were we right to try and pick a team that could maybe, I don't know, possibly win? 
08459 455 555. Uh, Judy says, David Beckham for the Olympic team. No! You should put an exclamation mark there. That's why I said it like that. He's a good footballer, but he's by no means a national treasure. He's a nice enough person, but all the hero worship over this man is way out of proportion. Is he a national treasure? Or not? Yet. Uh, Nick says Beckham should not play in the Olympics. He's only after the glory of getting his name in the paper. I don't know if he is, because he's not really... He's been quite um, humble about the whole thing and kept his head down and kept quiet. Let's remember, he scarped off to America to take on a multi-million dollar contract. He's only interested in money and publicity. George Shepard from Wing. I would much rather have Beckham play football than Macca singing Live and Let Die or Hey Jude with audience participation yet again for the umpteenth time. Hey Jude is a fantastic song, but... How many times do we need to hear Paul McCartney and 60,000 people going, nah, 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 I'm sure there are other people in this country who can sing and sing a different song. Well, George Shepard from Wing, there are other people in this country that can sing and sing a different song. Uh, anonymous, the games are nothing more than a very expensive jolly for so-called stars and politicians to suck up to each other. I was totally bored with it the day it was announced. Well, I'm kind of getting into it now, because I've said this before, I'm a cynical old man, and I don't like anything. I'm dead grumpy, and I'm against everything. And we got the Olympics, like, oh, yeah, whatever. But since seeing the torch the other day, and I'm going to see it again, hopefully, this evening, with my little boy in North London. uh, Since seeing the torch, I've got well excited about it. I'm totally looking forward to it. Going to be watching the old um, opening ceremony. On Friday night, having a little bit of that. I'm not going there. I'll be watching on the television. 08459 455 555. Also looking for your tales of revenge. After um, a chap cut his uh, his furniture in half, wrote it was his half on there. I want your tales of revenge. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. What what, what revenge have you uh, got or had maybe dished out to you? Speaking about David Beckham, it's Audrey in Bedford. Good morning, Audrey. Good morning. How are you? You're a bit, a bit breathy this morning. Are you okay? I've just been out. <laughs> oh, anywhere nice? By, by the newspapers. There we go. Fantastic. Yes. Um, uh, Audrey, David Beckham, what do yes. you think? Headline on the sun. Yes, yes. All he ever did was play ten minutes at the end of the match when the other teams were exhausted and he got a cap for it. Oh, listen to you. Now, I don't know anything about football, Audrey, so I'm going to have to go for your word. Do you, do you think he's a little bit overrated, then? Very much overrated, yes. Because a lot of people would say that David Beckham is a national treasure. David Beckham had a, some footballing skill. But he'd, compared to Bobby Charlton and co, he didn't deserve all those caps and so on. You sound disappointed that he's even in the newspapers again. <laughs> well, not on the sports pages. OK. Audrey, very quickly, we were talking earlier on about high streets. Do you use your local high street or do you go to sort of big supermarkets out of town? Well, there isn't much in the high street I can use except Tesco. And I don't like using it. And why is there not much you can use? Is it all... Is lots of it closed down? The wrong sort of shops. The, uh, what sort of shops would you like? Um, smaller fresh fruit grocers and so on, but... Uh, 
Okay, Audrey. Thank you very much. There's Audrey in Bedford there saying she likes smaller shops. Is that the problem with your high street that it's all these big chains? It's the gap. It's next. It's top man. Would you like smaller shops or do they re- can they really survive in the high street? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Call oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. The lawnmower saga continues. Oh man, it's a nightmare. What? Why? Do, why does everything that should be so simple in my life become so complicated? And it, it is me. It's God picking on me. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. A Bedfordshire woman says she'd like to be offered compensation for constantly losing her water supply. Mary Howell, who lives in Upper Caldicott, says she's been without water ten times since Christmas. Our reporter Tom Allnut has been to meet her. That's quite good now. But often you, you turn on that tap and you just get absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's ha- yes, very often it's just nothing there at all. And sometimes it's very low, the pressure is very low. It just sort of dribbles out or there's hardly any... Pre- In fact, people have complained that their toilets won't clear, um, which is not, not very nice all around. It all started on New Year's Day and we keep um, getting stoppages. Sometimes they let us know in advance that they're going to turn the water off because there's a problem and sometimes they don't. We just get up like we did this morning and find there's no water there, which, which makes life quite difficult. I mean, I, I had some water in a jug this morning, but I, I tipped it into the wash basin in the in the bathroom and had a cold wash. That's all I could do. It doesn't make life very easy for people, I don't think. And it's been going on for so long now that, you know, I think everybody's... Well, I personally am getting in absolutely cross about it. So how many homes would you say have been affected by this? I would think something between 40 and 50. What's the longest period of time you've had to deal without water for? All day on New Year's Day. And we managed to... Um, you know, sort of work around it, but it was very difficult. You don't have any water, and then the power went off as well, so we didn't have any power either, which made it very cold because, of course, the heating went off too, and uh, it didn't come on then until about, I think, 6 or 7 o'clock at night, and it had been off from quite early in the morning then. You've been sort of living in wartime Britain, haven't you? Yeah. I don't even remember it being as bad as that in the war, I do remember the war. So have they given you ever any explanation as to why this has happened? It is just to do with the mains in the, on this particular street, apparently. What do you want to see happen now, Mary? Well, I would like to know that they have really now fixed it and that we're not ha- going to have any more problems. I would also like to treat me in the same way that they've treated people in Shakespeare Drive. Well, they have offered them a little bit of compensation, but they haven't suggested anything like that for me at all. So do you have any confidence whatsoever that this issue is going to be resolved any time soon? Well, I don't know. I suppose you have to take their word for it that it is fixed. But I must admit, when I found the tap wasn't working this morning, I was not very happy. I don't know. I suppose we should just have to wait and see. I would like some more answers from Anglian Water, and I am writing to them to ask them for more answers. So this whole problem, how has it made you feel overall? Frustrated is the answer. Um... Yeah, I do find it difficult because you never know when when it's going to go off. And you, all right, you, as I say, I've got a water jug that I, I fill and keep in the in my fridge. But uh, I mean, other than that, there's really nothing else you can do. When the water goes, it goes, doesn't it? There's nothing you can do about it. If we get any more, I'm, I'm really going to be very angry because I think you know, as you say, six or seven months is long enough to have these problems, and then to tell us that it's resolved, and then a few days later, we get what they now say is another problem. 
There must be something seriously wrong with the water supply around here. It's Mary Howell speaking to our reporter, Tom Allnut, and later on we'll hear from Anglian Water <clears throat> to explain what the problem is. Now, I've been asking for your stories of revenge. This is a very delicate text that we've had in. I don't think anyone is going to be able to beat this. This is from Jen. She's not asked for it to be anonymous, so I'm, I'm, it's Jen in hearts. I was a mistress for two years to a married man whose wife had terminal cancer. Now, if that's not an opening line to a movie, I don't know what is. <clears throat> he strung me along with talk of love and a future together one day. As soon as his wife died, he dropped me without explanation or apology and signed up for dating websites. So I followed his movements on Facebook for several months and then sent a message to all his friends, family and clients introducing myself and telling our love story. Now, <clears throat> as, as stories of revenge go, that's pretty harsh. That's pretty harsh. Jane, I would love to talk to you and find out more. What, what was, what was the, the fallout from that? Did it kick off? Must have kicked off. Uh, talking about the Mary Portas. Um, the, the, the people, are, the, a couple of angry texts about Dunstable here. Dave says, Dunstable is dead. They killed it in the 1960s. There is very little left to bring people back. Bring back Charlie Cole's shop. I now do my shopping in Leighton Buzzard. And Steve has texted in, I've got a plan for Dunstable. A, accept that it's a suburb of Luton and stop being so snobby. B, build on the cultural side of Dunstable, like the Grove, History and Church. C, get a bypass and finally get rid of parking charges. Angry? Angry? Oh eight four five nine, four double five five double five is the telephone number. If you're going to give me a call, so my lawnmower, I broke it uh, the other day by um, going over a, a big rock and it bent the blade. And I've been unable to get the blade off. I've tried everything. I've tried pouring boiling water on it. I've tried WD forty. I've tried everything. Cannot get the blade off because the it, it's bent, so it's stuck. So finally relented yesterday and um, went out and bought a new lawnmower. Hundred quid. Yeah, right, That's that was nice. Bought a new lawnmower. My little boy wanted the pink one. They don't do pink ones, apparently. We had to get an orange one. Got it home. Literally within 30 seconds. Literally within 30 seconds of getting it out, turning it on, and starting to cut the grass, I went over another rock, and I broke the blade on it! I broke the blooming blade! I was so angry. And my wife was watching. And my wife had made me go and get it as well. I didn't want to get it. I wanted to have a lazy day in the back garden. She made me go and get it. And I was grumpy and I got it. And it cost me £100. And I got it. And she said, well, are you going to cut the grass then? Oh, man. So I had to cut the grass. So I'm, I'm in a, a terrible mood anyway. And I went over another rock and completely broke it. So I've had to order another blade for £20. I'm so annoyed. So annoyed. I'm never, ever cutting the grass ever again call 08459 455 555 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio Good morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio your breakfast show here until 9 o'clock uh, we're talking loads of things revenge and we've got a great text in about oh, some of you, it turns out you are horrible, horrible people the stuff you get up to when you're not happy I'm never crossing any of you. Uh, should David Beckham play for Team GB? And we're also talking about this Mary Portas fund that's been awarded. Uh, and um, we've got Pat in Houghton Regis. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. Pat, what do you think about all of this Portas money? Well, the Mary Portas money will only go to dead certs, won't it, really? You know, something that's good for TV, something to report back to TV. 
and uh, those struggling towns, and not including Dunstable and other towns as well, they're just going to be ignored if they look like they're never going to be revived. So you think this is all just a plot to make a good TV show? Of course it is, it's, and that's what she, where she comes from. And uh, if she's going to make a success of anything, she's not going to pick up a corpse and try and revive it, is she? Are you talking about Dunstable there? I could be, yeah. It's um, it's quite a struggle for those businesses out there because every time they open their doors, they've got to think about a lot of things. And the first thing they think about is, where's the footfall? And all of a sudden on their doorstep, there's a closure on the road. It might be Church Street, it might be West Street, it might be High Street North. It could be anywhere in Dunstable. And then suddenly the footfall's gone again. And these these shopkeepers, they need the footfall. They need the council to plan things so that their business is not affected. And it's affected most of the time, most of the year, which is unfair. And it's to do with the busway as well. I mean, the busway. All those millions of pounds, 90 plus millions of millions of pounds, not geared for Dunstable, but geared for Luton. And yet Dunstable could have had that money for a bypass, which they badly need. Whose fault is it, Pat, that Dunstable is, as you say, you know, kind of dying? Well, it's the government, initially, it's their fault, it's dying, because they know about Dunstable. It's the government, and I'm not talking about the government today as well, I mean, they're to blame as well, but the last government as well, who initiated the 90 million for the busway, and also, some councillors not coming on board. I'm not talking about local councillors, I'm talking about councillors that probably come as far from Biggleswade and Sandy. You've got to get all those councillors on board to get some kind of investment through, like the first three hours of free parking in Dunstable. That's a must. Something's got to start, something's got to give, so that Dunstable can start to come out of those ashes that they're in at the moment. Pat, thank you very much. It's been a while since I've been to Dunstable, and we've had um, two texts and a caller saying it's dead. Has anybody got anything nice to say about Dunstable? 08459 455 555. I don't want this to be a one-sided attack, and I'm, uh, I'm not passing comments. I've not been there for a long time. <clears throat> so I don't know what it's like at the moment. Can anybody phone up and defend Dunstable? It's all been a little bit harsh. Is it really that bad? People struggling that much? 08459 455 555. You can text 81333. Um, start your text 3CR. <clears throat> Got a frog in my throat this morning. I do apologise. And now, people who own empty properties in St Albans are being urged to bring them back to life. The City and District Council has appointed an empty homes officer to meet the urgent need for housing. Something similar has been happening in Milton Keynes. Linda Ellen is Head of Housing Management at Milton Keynes Council. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. You appointed an empty homes officer earlier this year. How successful has that been? Yes, we did. Um, at the beginning of the year, we appointed somebody for two years, um, and it has so far been very successful, and um, obviously there's still a long way to go, but we're starting to work now with owners of long-term empty properties to get them back into use, and the homes, um, you know, people living in them again. Why are these properties empty? Um, I mean, there's a variety of reasons. At, at any one time, there's probably in the region of around 2,000 empty homes across Milton Keynes, which is around about 2% of our total housing in the area. Um, now, most of those will be empty for a short period of time for uh, reasons such as people working away from home or perhaps in hospital or visiting relatives. But there's, uh, of those, there's around about 200 that we consider to be long-term problematic properties that are empty. And those will be the ones that we're trying to focus on, where they're attracting antisocial behaviour or vandalism and just you know really look look uh, untidy where are the people who own these 200 homes linda this is what's confusing me why, yeah, why would you have um, an empty um, home 
Well, there's, there's a, again, there's a variety of reasons. It could be that um, a relationship's broken down and uh, the parties have moved to different properties and unable to sell the home. Um, sometimes it's people unable to carry out afford to carry out repairs and that could be individuals or it could be landlords who've perhaps you know got a portfolio of properties that they're no longer able to afford to maintain um people are in prison mm-hmm. quite often we find it's people who've inherited a property when there's been a bereavement and right. they haven't been able to afford to you know get the property up to standard to sell it well you mentioned Linda, that one of the, the reasons there could be um they're empty because of cost will you be offering incentives to do up properties yeah, what we do, we've got um, a loan available um, which um, can assist people. They're flexible loans. Um, people can make regular payments with those or they have to be repaid within five-year period, whichever the person chooses and is going to be suitable for them. Obviously, there's a charge placed on the property, um, so it must be repaid in full by the fifth anniversary. Um, and obviously, if the property sold before that, we would recover the money at that stage. Mm. So that's a really sensible way that we can assist people to get these properties back into use. And we've been able to do that over the past six months since we've had the empty homes officer in place. Um, we've got about 30 homes come back into use during that time. And at the moment, we're working with about 50 other landlords where we hope that we can um, you know, get at least half of those back into use over the next six to eight weeks. So we are starting to make a, a, you know, significant progress with this. And are people being cooperative? I'm assuming that if you're offering money, then the landlords and these, the owners of these homes are going to be yeah. kind of biting your head off, aren't they? Uh, not always. Oh, um, really? We, have, we have had difficulty making contact with some people. We yeah. just, you know, we obviously have to try and trace where people are. Um, the vast majority, yes, they do want to work with us when they can see that there is a way they can actually get their home back into use. They, they're keen to work with us. But others that don't want to, um, it's a, a little bit more difficult. Um, something we're considering, we haven't done this yet, but there is something called an empty dwelling management order where if you've got a long-term vacant property where the owner isn't being cooperative, the council can actually take over management of the property for a period of time and we would then carry out repairs spend the money to get that property up to standard and recover that from any rent that we were able to charge for renting it out wow. so that's something we're considering um, that seems a little bit a bit harsh if i owned a property and was didn't particularly want anyone to touch it and then the council yeah. you know sort of broke in and took over it i'd be furious oh, no, no, no it's, it's not you, you don't just break in and right. take over i mean it's through a, a, a formal court but order still it still seems a little extreme linda it's, it's just uh, one tool that we can use, and as I say, we haven't done it yet. It's not um, something that we would do lightly, but it could be in a, an extreme circumstance where there's a very dilapidated property, for example, mm. that is attracting vandalism and antisocial behaviour. That might be the only route we can go down um, if, if the owners won't work with us, because clearly people get quite upset when you've got a, an empty property. It attracts all sorts of problems, and we want to try and um, you know stamp that out and, as, wherever possible, get the home back into use, get people into those properties everywhere has got uh housing issues where we've got lots of people wanting um, housing that we can't help so this is just another way to try to to sort of increase the supply of housing available linda thank you very much that's linda ellen uh, is uh, she's the head of the housing management at milton Keynes council we've got time to have a look at the, the the front pages of the papers and do it properly uh this time uh the sun this is why we're talking about this and i do want your opinion on this it's get back maca Blast Team GB idiots after David left out of footy side. Do you think he should be in the, the Team GB? Or is he past it? Is he, surely he's, you know, it, it, if he were in there, he's not, he's not the best football player in the world, by any stretch of the imagination, is he? Not now. He's an old man. Uh, but if he was in there, he would just be in there as, as a symbol, wouldn't he? It be symbolic. And we don't want that. We want to win a medal, don't we? 
08459 455 555 and the 2012 army told wear tracksuits army chiefs clashed furiously with olympic bosses after troops troops were asked to guard the games in tracksuits uh daily mirror uh ronnie barker's son arrested after eight years on the run uh and uh, buried alive on the beach a tourist died yesterday in this horror landslide at a beauty spot that's a sad story Daily Mail's also got um, uh, Ronnie Barker's son. Um, he's back to face child porn charges. And a gold medal for cynicism. First border staff call strike. Now tube drivers, who've already had a uh, £1,000 sweetener, join Olympic saboteurs. People are allowed to go on strike, aren't they? What do you think about that? I think people, if, if they want to go on strike, it's a little bit naughty they're doing it now, but they have to, I guess, um, exert as much pressure as possible. And doing it during the Olympics... Would make sense. Let's do one more, and then we'll do the rest of them later on. Daily Express, furious about Europe. Oh, they're furious. There's a surprise. Now, I'm, I'm, can I just say, tomorrow's front page, I'm guessing, will be about pensions or mortgages. Pensions or mortgages. Pensions, I'm going to go for. Front page of the Daily Express tomorrow will be pensions. But today, it's now you pay £750 a year to be in the EU. Britain's membership of the European Union is costing every household in the country an average of £750 a year. New research reveals. Controversial. Beds, hearts and bugs news. BBC Three Counties Radio. These are the headlines this morning on Wednesday the 25th of July at 7.46. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. Hatfield has been chosen as one of 15 towns across the country to revive its high street as part of the second wave in the Mary Porter's pilot. The Hertfordshire town will get a share of £1.5 million, but Bedfordshire town Dunstable misses out again. A teenage karate teacher is due to be sentenced today after being convicted of stabbing his 19-year-old girlfriend to death on Boxing Day as she babysat two young children in Boreham Wood. In sport, Watford recorded their first win in pre-season with a 2-0 victory in Ireland against Cork City. And here's the weather for Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Hot and sunny once again, with the top temperature 29 degrees Celsius. Coming up, we'll hear the incredibly moving story of Karen Hearn. Her son's body was found in a hospital shower cubicle days after he died. Um, now, we're talking about David Beckham. Should he be in the Team GB uh, or not? We've got um, Matt in Luton. Good morning, Matt. Hello there. Hello, Matt. What's your take on this? Uh, well, that woman must be mad if she can't realise what David Beckham means to Britain. Well, she, this is the woman who's saying he, he wasn't a particularly good footballer, he's a little bit overrated. Well, she must be a very sad person, then. She hasn't been watching football for all these years. Tell me David more, Matt. David Beckham is Britain. Sorry? David Beckham is British. Right. He is as popular as Bobby Charlton ever was. Yeah. He put Manchester United on the map. I know. I watch him every week. Yeah, so, but David, saying David Beckham is, is, is Britain personified, so, what, it's a little bit common and covered in tattoos? Uh, we don't look at the tattoos. You look what he can do with the football and what he's done for English football. He's always showing us his tattoos. <laughs> what, OK, Matt, tell me, what has he done for, for English football, then? Apart from selling out for millions of dollars to go to the States? Well, they all do that. But if he was really such a... Um, uh, let me put this to you. If he was really such a, an ambassador for British football then surely he should have stayed in Britain and, you know, got, gone to a smaller team and, and tried to help them instead of going and hanging out with Tom Cruise and loads of Hollywood celebrities, David Schwimmer and, you know. He didn't specifically go there to hang out with Tom Cruise. He went there for the football, but he'd done, his bit. He'd done great for, for England when he was with England and Manchester United, don't forget. Should he be playing in Team GB for the Olympics? The first person you would pick is David Beckham. 
you'd pick David Beckham over the actual manager, which is Stuart Pearson, which is the most boring man on earth. Wow. That's <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> that's that's some claim he's the most boring man on earth. Uh, Matt, thank you for that. Surely we should only pick him if he's good enough to win. And this is the, the answer. This is the question I cannot get an answer to from you. I don't know enough about football. Is David Beckham any good now? Is he any good now? I don't know. Oh eight four five nine. Four double five five double five is the phone number. I just I I don't know enough about football. As I was saying, I've never been to a football match. I don't particularly like it. I like playing FIFA on the Xbox, but I don't like football. I don't like watching it. I don't like playing it. It's, it's a silly game. Is David Beckham good enough? That's the question, I suppose. Or would he just be a symbolic? The, the call there thinks that David Beckham is Britain personified. Really? Is he really the best image for Britain? Oh eight four five nine. Four double five five double five. West Hart's NHS Trust has made a full apology for their failings into the death of Watford resident Jason Hearn. Jason Hearn's body was found in a hospital shower cubicle after he was admitted to Watford General in May 2009, only to be found four days later by a cleaner. Three years on, with the help of Three Counties Radio, Karen has finally received her long-awaited apology. Our reporter Sophie Solaria caught up with her at her home in Watford and asked Karen about the meeting with the hospital. After many, many months, and in fact years now, we finally got a meeting on the 18th of June. We were met by uh, Colin Johnston, who's the medical director of um, the West Hearts Hospital Trust. And... To my surprise, I was getting apology after apology and explanation as to what has changed, what new procedures have been put in place. I was given various paperwork and documents that actually showed what improvements they've made. Quite significant communication between the two trusts, which is obviously crucial, and also better communications with the police. You really didn't expect an apology that day, you say? No, I mean, really, because they've always issued statements saying that um, Jason was no longer a patient, he discharged himself, it was all dealt with at the inquest, um, and they really had nothing else to say about it. And it was, it was really significant for me that day for them to, to actually admit that Jason and and to actually say that the wording of Jason discharge himself was inappropriate which has always been the case they were more concerned initially it was always about how he gained access as if he was some sort of criminal and and that wasn't the issue it was why he was allowed to leave in the first place you didn't feel you had justice until you'd received this apology from Watford General Hospital do you feel some form of justice now Definitely. I I have given the hospital a hard time, but justifiably, and now I feel they've done the right thing. And I'm extremely pleased. It'll never bring Jason back. My other priority not only was to get justice for Jason, but to prevent this happening to somebody else. Does this give you closure on the situation? Yes, it does. It does. What's your future hold, Karen? Is, is really just th- remembering him as he was, you know, remembering things he did and, and uh, some of the, the things he used to enjoy doing and what a great sense of humour he had. Um, but also I've been sort of selling his photographs and his cards and they've been selling really well. So putting 
that money that I raise from that into good causes, uh, I mean, it's been directed to Hearts Mind Network where it's helping other young people and hopefully we're going to be doing more with them in Jason's memory. So his legacy will continue and, and it, if, if his name is used in, in, with regards to police training or training at the hospital in a positive way and it'll help other people, that's all I can really ask for and, and just really live my life with just the happy memories of him. Uh, I've got a statement from the hospital. The Trust very much regrets that there were aspects of the care provided to Jason that fell below the standards that are in place today. Following Jason's tragic death, much has been done to improve the ways in which both Trusts work together to provide more responsive services for people with mental health problems and making sure that they receive the most appropriate care in a timely manner. During the meeting, it was recognised communication between the Trusts and the police in respect of their specific organisational responsibilities did not work well during Jason's admission to Watford Hospital. Improvements have been made in the ways in which each organisation responds to its responsibilities to ensure that the needs of the patient is the primary focus and that their needs are fully assessed and met. Now, this next story is amazing. An investigation is underway after an 11-year-old boy, an 11-year-old boy, managed to board a flight for Rome on his own without a passport ticket or boarding pass. Just have a think about that for a second. How difficult is, is it for you, with all of the documents, to get on an aeroplane, right? This kid did it with nothing. Happened at Manchester Airport yesterday afternoon. Apparently the boy got through security by mingling with a family going through the terminal. The child is said to be obsessed with planes and had run away from home. Russell Craig is from Manchester Airport. It's very busy, it's the school holidays. He's mingled with a family, um, or several families actually, and it appears from the CCTV footage it looks like he's part of that party. When you approach security, of course, security is looking principally for any threats and he's gone through a security process. The thing that's led us down is he hasn't had a boarding card at that point and that's been missed. We are now investigating that and taking that extremely seriously. He makes it sound like, you know, they've done nothing wrong. He's mingling with some families. You know, we're not, we're, we're looking for a, for a threat. You can get tiny terrorists. The boy was only discovered when the plane was in mid-air on its way to Italy, and it wasn't the cabin crew who spotted him. It was the other passengers who started to wonder who the boy belonged to. Raises all sorts of questions about security, but Russell Craig from the airport insists passenger safety wasn't compromised. It's not technically a breach of security. The boy posed no threat to the aircraft. He went through a security process. This isn't a loophole in airport security. He should have had checks to make sure that he had access to the departure lounge and ultimately to the aircraft. Those things didn't work, but there was no threat to the airport or the aircraft or passengers or staff. Well, there was only no threat because he wasn't a terrorist. He was a kid, but if you can get through, then that's that's a dangerous hole. Especially this week with the Olympics starting on Friday and security is at the front of everyone's minds. Simon Calder is the travel editor of The Independent. He says it's embarrassing not just for the airport but also for the airline Jet 2. A head count is supposed to take place. This is where 
uh, the, the cabin crew wander up and down, they count everybody and make sure that tallies with the number they are expecting. That went wrong. So this undoubtedly is going to make travelling even more tough than uh, it is at the moment. And I'm, I'm flying myself with my family this afternoon and I imagine it's going to be um, uh, even more stressful than normal. We're going to try and get... Si- Simon is a legend, by the way, in, in travel reporting. Um, uh, you will have seen him on the television. You may not think you have, but you will have seen him. We're going to try and get him on if we can, uh, about 25 past eight, if we can, but he's a very busy man. Jet2 say they're also investigating what went wrong. A number of airline staff have been suspended. Thankfully, the boy's fine. Uh, he's been returned safely to his parents. They should have let him stay in Italy. They should have, as a reward for that, put him up in a five-star hotel in Italy for a week. A couple of texts about Dunstable. No one's, no one's digging Dunstable. No, I've, I, can, can someone call in and, and, and big up Dunstable, please? Nick says, the best view of Dunstable is through my rear-view mirror. Went there once, what a dump. Oh, David, is, is, David from Kentsworth is, is, is slightly po- more positive. The main problem with Dunstable is the army of moaners and people living in the 1960s. We need to round them up and bust them to Frinton-on-Sea, where they can live out their lives in the past. Harsh. Do you live in Dunstable? Do you go there regularly? Do you love it? There must be someone who loves Dunstable. Well, I don't, I, I've not been there for a while, so I can't really comment. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Can we, before the end of the show, because I don't want this to be a one-sided attack on Dunstable, it's not fair, can we get someone to phone up and say, do you know what, What's, I don't see what the problem is. I love it here. It's fantastic. One more quick text. The high streets in Dunstable lack character and choice. We want variety, style and value. But with councils and landlords charging far too much for rent and rates, only large businesses can afford to open a shop. I spoke to a retailer who was closing down in Luton who said their landlord had doubled the rent. So a small independent health shop couldn't afford it. Over a ten-year period, their rent uh, had tripled. Here's a text on revenge. I know a girl whose partner was going to the pub each work after uh, after day work each day. She cooked him a pie using dog food. Oh, that's horrible. More of those after the latest news and sport with Simon Oxley. Good morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee on breakfast on BBC Three Counties Radio here till nine o'clock, and then Jonathan Vernon Smith will be coming in. And doing his thing. He should be in with us in about 10, 15 minutes and letting us know what's on the show this morning. It's always nice when he comes in because I'm a little bit stinky. I don't have a shower in the morning. I know, I know. What I do is I have a bath the night before. That way I don't have to have a shower. And that's normally fine. But the last couple of nights it's been very hot and sweaty. So it's not particularly fine. It's, it's actually quite unpleasant. But Jonathan comes in and he smells so fragrant and wonderful. So it kind of takes the edge off my stinkiness a little bit. Anyway, we've got loads coming up in this hour of the show. More on the Mary Portas uh, money being given to Hatfield. I'm really looking for someone to say something nice about Dunstable. I don't want this to be a Dunstable knocking show. If you've got something nice to say about it, could you give me a call? 08459 455 555. I feel that it's, it's all been very one-sided. You're obviously very unhappy with it, and that's fine. That's a legitimate position to take. But I don't want to be bashing Dunstable all morning. Can someone call in and say something nice about it, please? 08459 455 555. Still taking your calls and texts on uh, should David Beckham be playing for Team GB and your stories of revenge. 
That horrible story that Tony sent in about a girl making a meat pie using dog food. They were still going out with each other. She didn't tell him until they split up. They were together when she made it. You can call me on those 08459 455 555 or you can text 81333. Start your text 3CR. On FM, AM and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hatfield has been chosen as one of 15 towns to regenerate its high street as part of the Mary Portas pilot. It'll get a share of one and a half million pounds and is aiming to create event facilities to encourage more visitors. Justin Dealey has been finding out what people think of the plan. I do apologise. I was told to skip that and I decided not to skip that because I claim to know better than that. Because I am indeed a Muppet. Let's try again, shall we? Yes, Justin Dealey has been finding out what people think of the plan. Now, Sue, you've lived in Hatfield all of your life. You're delighted about this news. If you had £100,000 to spend on your local town, how would you spend that money? Decent shops, activities for kids of all ages to do, and clean the place up. If you go to another town, around here there's rubbish, goodness knows what. There's nothing for people to come into Hatfield for. So this investment we're talking about is long overdue as far as you're concerned? Yeah, when I was brought up, this market, people would come from all over the country and it was widespread right into the other shopping centre by the square. Now look. Well, they are talking about more outdoor events, more community events, as far as you're concerned. That's yeah. the best way forward here. Yeah, I mean, when we had the Jubilee a couple of weeks ago and they put on outdoor events, I've ne- we've never seen so many people. So it just shows the point, doesn't it? Now, John, you're a trader here on the market. You think this is great news about this investment. It's certainly what the town needs. It can only be a plus point, really. There must be a plus point, yeah. Um, it needs certainly a regeneration of the uh, town. It needs more people into the town, more shops, obviously. No shops, no people. But it does certainly need an injection of money with this. This Mary Porter scheme has got Hatfield. £100,000 in a big run of things is not a, a fantastic amount of money, but it is a start. And the start is as better than nothing. It needs a good sprucing up, it needs more shops in, it needs the rents lowered, obviously, for more shops to come in, and therefore it'll generate more people, therefore it'll generate more money for the people who've got shops and uh, market traders and uh, all here. Steve, you're a market trader here, you're also local, you've lived yeah. in Hatfield for a long time. £100,000, is that enough? Personally, no, it, but it is a start. I mean, there's a lot what needs to be done to Hatfield. 100000 can't knock it, we'll take it and uh, start again. But yeah, it's a start, but they definitely need a hell of a lot more. So what would you say is the key point? If you were in charge of this bid and you had the money, what would be the first thing that you gave priority to? Uh, first thing, priority. I mean, really, we've got to entice more high street, uh, proper high, high specs shops into the town to encourage people to come into the town to buy. All we've got in the town at the moment are basically charity shops and pound shops. We need better spec of uh, shops into the town. That's Justin Dealey with that report. Let's talk to Welling Hatfield MP and Housing Minister Grant Chaps. Good morning, Grant. Hi, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. You must be pretty pleased that a town in your constituency has been chosen. 
at last Hatfield gets something. How <laughs> yes. will Hatfield benefit? Um, well, it's going to become a um, Porter's pilot. Um, that means that Hatfield gets to put in place its own ideas for um, improving the uh, town. Um, and the bid was really um, excellent. So obviously I knew about it, but I made sure that another minister judged this one because mm. um, I'm quite close to it. Um, but the ideas include, for example, uh, making um, uh, you know entertainment part of the central reason to visit the towns it's not just about the retail it's about getting people into the town and improving the so-called footfall and that was one of the things which made the uh, bid in hatfield particularly impressive so just to be clear it's it's not a coincidence it, it is a coincidence your town has been picked yeah, I didn't want to have, um, you know, it seemed to me to be unfair that my local area and anyone who knows Hatfield will know that it's pretty, in a pretty desperate state. And it'd be pretty unfair to have that excluded, um, but at the same time, obviously, I didn't want to be the, the, the judge of it. So uh, You got someone else in to minister do Minister did that job, yeah. Good luck. Uh, now, uh, what about towns like Dunstable, which have, have missed out for a second time? What's yeah, going to happen well, with them? Well, um, other towns have succeeded in the three counties area, like Bedford on mm. the first round. There are now 27 Porters pilots. That's the number of pilots we're going to have in total. But, good news, uh, 400 towns applied in total, um, and that's just too many to walk away from. So uh, what I've decided to do, and I'm announcing today, is set up uh, town team partners. Uh, that means that these town teams, their MPs, can come forward and uh, join in partnership with us, with government, to get help and assistance brought to them um, for their own particular bids. Uh, and I'll be explaining more about that in the autumn, uh, but the, the big story today is don't despair. There is a big package of, of assistance uh, coming your way if you want to join with us and take it. How much money is available in this package? Well, the, the the money's never been the kind of key element to any of this. Had it have been, um, I don't suppose 400-plus would have applied. Um, there was 100,000 available for the 27 pilots. It will be uh, much less. Uh, I haven't even decided if there'll be really anything money-wise going to the um, to, to the people who come forward to be, become the town team partners. What they will get is an awful lot of help and support from retail experts. They'll get assistance from uh, my government, um, department. Uh, they'll get to come to uh, meetups and conferences to learn from the pilots uh, to access online resources and much more besides. They get all of that support and um, the entire package is a £5 million package but it's not about really dividing that up and handing it out to the towns. Instead it's about making sure that we can really help them to realise their own aspirations and that's uh, by fantastic providing help and support. There are so many high streets across the country and I, I'm a big fan of, of local shops and local high streets as opposed to these big supermarkets but they need money, don't they? They need the money to, to kind of make the changes that are required to get people back in there, don't they? Well, look, I don't think there's any amount of central money, you know, taxpayers' money that you could spend and, and sort of just alter things. What, what needs to change here um, is that town centres need to be popular, interesting, fun, entertaining, lively comfortable places to go and shop again and now that's not done by you know some massive injection of taxpayers money let's face it everyone knows we've not got any in any case it's done by making sure that these are interesting places to go and you know i shop online i'm sure you do and many of your listeners will but there are things that you can do in a town center like meet up for a coffee like go for a haircut do the things which actually only a town center can really provide and that's what we need to make sure our high streets are, are, are providing once again Grant, listen, one, one final thing. Dunstable has missed out, as, as we've just said. Uh, we've been getting a lot of negative calls about Dunstable today. Is mm. that justified, do you think? Is, is there any way that we can turn Dunstable around? 
Well, look, hang in there. That's what I'd say, because Dunstable makes a very good, made a very good case, a very good application. Not everywhere can win. What we can do, though, is to make sure that the plan that's been put together by the town team in, in Dunstable can still be enacted. And that's why I'm going to be inviting Dunstable, their MP, to come forward to sign up uh, to, uh, to, to put these measures into place and i'll come forward with the details of this extra scheme that we hadn't originally envisaged at all but the interest has been so great that we've decided to put in place i'll come forward with that in the in the autumn and look forward to dunstable and actually everywhere else in the three counties area who want to get involved in improving the high streets uh, signing up to that and working with us to do it grant thank you very much that's uh well in hatfield mp and housing minister grant chaps no doubt we'll talk to him later on in the year uh, when he makes the official announcement uh, of that scheme uh, I, I really do want we've got 45 minutes of this show left before jonathan comes on i i, I really want someone to phone up and, and say yeah i love what's the problem with dunstable i love it why is everyone knocking it can anyone do that or are you all dunstable residents are you all disheartened by it and depressed by it. That seems to be the impression we're getting. And I, I, it feels a little unfair. So if you can phone up and uh, do, as I believe what Ken Bruce would call, big up Dunstable, uh, you, you'll jump the queue. You'll, you'll come straight to the front of the queue and we'll put you on. 08459 these are the headlines this morning on Wednesday the 25th of July on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hatfield has been chosen as one of 15 towns across the country to revive its high street as part of the second wave in the Mary Porter's pilot. The Hertfordshire town will get a share of £1.5 million, but Bedfordshire town Dunstable misses out again. A teenage karate teacher is due to be sentenced today after being convicted of stabbing his 19-year-old girlfriend to death on Boxing Day as she babysat two young children in Boreham Wood. In sport, Watford recorded their first win in pre-season with a 2-0 victory in Ireland against Cork City. We'll have a full sports bulletin with Simon in 15 minutes and we'll have a weather bulletin in a few minutes with Steve Weston. Coming up, earlier we heard how a woman from Bedfordshire has had her water supply cut off ten times since New Year. We'll get the reaction from her water company next. And Jonathan Vernon-Smith is coming up to tell us what's coming on his show at nine o'clock. Ooh. Ah, dear. Jonathan Vernon-Smith is coming to the studio and he caught uh, me and the production team here having what I like to call a little bit of tomfoolery. Yes. What the dickens is going on? Food was being chucked around the place. It's ridiculous. It's, it's outrageous. I know. Your licence fee is paying for this, dear listener. Mm-hmm. You're right. I'm all right. How are you? I missed you yesterday. Did you? Yeah, I mean, Justin's nice, but he doesn't smell as nice and he shows way too much chest hair. Oh, really? It does. I was up at the hoe. Pick your pardon. <laughs> that means something different where I come from. <laughs> I was, I was in Plymouth Hoe. Plymouth Hoe, of course. Yes. Wonderful there, yes. Have you been there? I don't think so. It's a delightful. Lots of tattooed people there. Can I see your builder's arm? Your, your white van man arm? Oh, yes. You've got one arm that's tanned. Yes, well, I was sitting having my lunch yesterday, and oh, uh, I'm not sure whether I can up my big muscles. Could go. <laughs> you are quite buff. Look at that. No, it, well, I don't think you can see it in this light, but there is a line. Stop looking at my muscles. <laughs> He's got, I'll be honest, I've never noticed that. You are quite, you're, you're quite buff. I told you I'd go to the gym. Yeah, well, I didn't know you actually did anything there. <laughs> so you're just <laughs> watching just people did. and eating the food. <laughs> Looking good. Oh, honestly. What's on your show this morning? Coming up at nine on the big phone. And do you do anything to support your high street? 
Um, I'm not asking you directly. I'm asking everyone listening to the programme. I was wondering whether I should answer or not. I'm glad I kept quiet. As you've been uh, discussing, Hatfield has been chosen in the second round of Mary Porter's pilots to be given money to help revive its high street. Fifteen more towns have been announced today. Twelve were given the chance to revive the Porter's touch uh, back in May, including Bedford. Um, They're getting a share of one and a half million pounds, which will be used to encourage more visitors at a time when empty shops, pressure from the internet and the recession are all heaping pressure on the high street well from nine i want to hear from you do you do anything to support your high street oh eight four five nine four double five five double five i do but not as much as i'd like to <laughs> what do you do and i'll tell you why because the parking puts me off yeah, yeah. i fill up with the parking why would you why would you pay to go into your town center and go from shop to shop to shop when you can go to your supermarket park for free and get everything under one roof that's the problem isn't it it is the problem and the supermarkets of course are a lot cheaper and you know it's, it's the kind of money goes I, I use like little small shops i do a big shop maybe once every few weeks in the big supermarket and i go and get the milk and the bread and the bits and pieces from the shop down the road that's kind of my contribution but maybe i should be doing more well uh, perhaps we should all be doing more yeah. because ultimately what are we going to be left with we're going to be left with high streets that are filled with either empty shops mm. pound shops charity shops it's going to be yeah, and and then empty shops in between and do we really want that for our town centers i do like the pound shops oh well not too many one talking? in a darkened corner <laughs> Jonathan, thank you very much. We'll be listening to you later on. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Jonathan Vernon smith <laughs> cackling away to himself. Uh, <laughs> he will be on at nine o'clock. I, do, I, I genuinely think he's brilliant. I know we've got some new people listening today. Uh, stick around after nine o'clock because you, you, I think you'll like Jonathan. It takes about five minutes to get into him. But once he, it's worth the effort. Once you've made the effort, he's brilliant. And I, was list, I spent the, the Sunday, which was uh, up until that point, had been the hottest day of the year. I spent Sunday in a darkened room working uh, and listening to his consumer hours on iPlayer. Five consumer hours in a row. Fantastic. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Taking your calls on this Porter's pilot and this money that's been uh, being dished out or not being dished out to various places. Carol is in St Albans. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Ian. Carol, what's your take on, on this, please? Um, Jonathan's hit the nail on the head. Yes. Parking prices. Right. I mean, you you have an hour, and and you really want a quick shop, but oh, I need. I just think I go there. I, I can't because if I do, I mean, I got caught. I was t- I was a minute over. Yeah. And it cost me six pounds. So, so it was it was two hours now listen because i love i i do a lot of parking in london for various reasons i, yeah. dr- I drive to london quite a lot and i park there and when i hear things like six pounds that's nothing london it, it's it's about 12 pounds an hour to park i know so six pounds isn't that much but you you think that that, that, that is enough to to stop you driving in yeah, I mean, I mean they, they say use public transport. If you're going in for a mooch and a shop and all, oh, I think I'll buy that. Yeah. You're going to end up like a pack horse. Mm. Buses don't like you taking... I can't travel on buses anyway, but buses don't like you taking on bags and bags and bags. I mean, they're bad enough when you had a buggy. Why can't you travel on buses, Carol? Um, I get sick. You get, you get motion sickness on a bus? Oh, dreadful. Really? Uh, yeah, I went... First time for ages, I went from St Albans to Harpenden on the train, and I couldn't have gone any further. 
I got off the train and I'd had enough. So trains and buses, but you're okay in cars? Certain cars I cannot travel in, and if I travel in the back, I have to sit on the back left-hand side by the door, and I cannot travel in a car that has no back door. What? And on a tube, I'm dreadful. I just shake from head to foot. Really? I, my mother-in-law can't go on the tube. She hates it. She just what, refuses to do it. What cars can you travel in, and what cars are particularly bad for you, Carol? A Hillman. Yep. Hillman is good or bad? Bad. Right. Um... I'm all right in a, in a, in um, a Vauxhall. Vauxhalls are good, um, but not if it's not got a back door. Okay. I cannot travel in Peugeots. Um, I and I don't know. I really don't know. And somebody said it was because you don't want to go. No, it isn't. I mean, I I the last time I got on a bus, I got on the. The stop at the bottom of the road and got off at the just round the corner at the next stop and was violently, violently ill and had well, to walk home and go to bed. Well, Carol, listen, I, I find that absolutely fascinating. There are some vehicles you can go in and some you can't, and I hope that problem sorts itself out. I don't know if you've seen the doctor about it. There might be a suggestion, but Carol, they're suggesting that it's too expensive. The parking is too expensive in towns. That's why people don't go there. Thank you, Carol. A Bedfordshire woman says her life is being made a misery because her water supply keeps being cut off. Mary Howell, who lives in Upper Caldicott, says she's been without water ten times since Christmas. That's quite good now. But often you, you turn on that tap and you just get absolutely nothing. It, it ha- yes, very often it's just nothing there at all. And sometimes it's very low, the pressure is very low. It just sort of dribbles out or there's hardly any pressure. In fact, people have complained that their toilets won't clear, um, which is... Not very nice all around. All started on New Year's Day, and we keep um, getting stoppages. Sometimes they let us know in advance that they're going to turn the water off because there's a problem, and sometimes they don't. We just get up like we did this morning and find there's no water there, which, which makes life quite difficult. It sounds very unpleasant. Let's talk now to Anthony Innes, uh, who is from Anglia Water. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning. Why is this happening? Okay, um, well, with this is happening due to a number of problems we've had with the, the pressure going through the pipe in this particular road. Um, and it has happened a lot of times this year, and I can only apologise for that. It is clearly unacceptable and, and not up to the high standards we set ourselves. Um, so we have actually been working very hard to try to identify initially what the problem was. And then back towards the end of June, we, we put measures in place to, to hopefully stop the bursts happening. Uh, the burst being where a water supply would suddenly go off, but not necessarily without us immediately knowing, and then we'd have to come to site and try fix it as quickly as possible but but as i mentioned this is clearly not the the standard we, we want to be serving to our customers it's been happening since christmas that's it's been going on for over seven months well it had been yes and this was largely down to the pressure going through the pipe because our area is so flat we have to pump a lot of the water all around so that means at certain points on the network there is a lot higher pressure than than at other stages so we, we realized with this pipe that this was causing a problem and causing it to burst which is why we installed something called a pressure reduce a uh, reducing valve sorry um in the end of june actually why wasn't that done before because I've, I, i'm listening to, i heard mary's full story earlier on and it has happened 10 times why wasn't that the, the first thing that you did why why is it taken so long to int- introduce a pressure reducing valve well initially we wanted to establish whether 
this would actually solve the problem or whether it would um, cause to exacerbate the problem or whether it was a, a, a bigger problem that needed maybe a, a slightly different solution. So, But we, we reached the point where, um, and we put our hands up and do, do apologise and said this was absolutely unacceptable, so we'll put this in as a, a matter of emergency. So we did write to the nice. customers and say we were very sorry that this happened. Um, again, apologies for the short notice, but on Saturday we're going to be installing this. Hopefully this will see an end to the problem. And thankfully it has seen an end to the problem on that street. We haven't had any more reports of bursts since then. The one um, the customer was referring to earlier on in this week was actually a problem further upstream. It was quite a large burst in North Hill area, which right. unfortunately affected quite a wide area. Is that connected with the other the initial problem? It's not connected at all, no. This was um, unfortunately one of the things when we have up to 40,000 kilometres of pipes under, underground is they are occasionally going to burst and, and this one just took out a relatively sizable area onto low pressure it's, or no water. It's pretty poor, isn't it? It's pretty poor service that she is paying for and that she's had 10 water leaks or 10 times the water has been turned off that's that's not great going is it anthony well yes and we, we have admitted that we, we clearly do say that that is not the standard we've set ourselves and it's not the standard we want to live up to for our customers uh, we're pleased that we think we now sorted the problem and our local manager went and spoke to the the residents in the area last week and, and spent a, a good hour and a half answering questions talking about concerns and just explaining what we've done and what we're continuing to do to, to make sure the problem that this is not reoccurring as often as it is. is is there any form of compensation for the people that have been affected like this like mary and um, there has been some compensation um directly in the past or, or if not there certainly will be and we're also looking wider with the community as, as to anything they can do as, as a gesture of goodwill uh, as an apology with Excellent. that anthony and are you saying now on on bbc three counties that the problem is solved and this won't happen again Unfortunately, I can never say never with, with infrastructure under the ground, but the, the problem that caused the number of bursts on that street was down to pressure, and we are confident that we have resolved that specific problem. Well, Anthony, thank, listen, thank you for coming on and apologising. If it happens again, can we get you back on? Absolutely, yes. Brilliant. Thank you very much there. That's uh, Anthony Innes um, from Anglia Water. Anthony, thank you very much for your time. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, this is Ian Lee here until nine o'clock. Now, this this story, I just find it's it's incredible. It's funny, but then you kind of take a step back and go, well, actually, it's pretty serious. An investigation is underway after an 11-year-old boy, an 11-year-old boy, managed to board a flight for Rome on his own without a passport, ticket or boarding pass. It happened at Manchester Airport yesterday afternoon. Apparently the boy got through security by mingling with a family going through the terminal. The child is said to be obsessed with planes and had run away from home. Russell, uh, Russell Craig is from Manchester Airport. It's very busy, it's the school holidays. He's mingled with a family... Um, or several families, actually, and it appears from the CCTV footage it looks like he's part of that party. When you approach security, of course, security is looking principally for any threats, and he's gone through a security process. The thing that's led us down is he hasn't had a boarding card at that point, and that's been missed. We are now investigating that and taking that extremely seriously. I would say that's not the only thing that's let you down. The boy was only discovered when the plane was in mid-air on its way to Italy. It wasn't the cabin crew that spotted him, it was the other passengers who started to wonder who the boy belonged to. Raises all sorts of questions about security, but Russell Craig from the airport insists passenger safety wasn't compromised. It's not technically a breach of security. The boy posed no threat to the aircraft. He went through a security process. This isn't a loophole in airport security. He should have had checks to make sure that he had access 
to the departure lounge and ultimately to the aircraft. Those things didn't work, but there was no threat to the airport or the aircraft or passengers or staff. Now, when you think about how many times you have to show your passport and your boarding card at an airport these days, it seems surprising that a plane can take off with an extra passenger that nobody knows anything about. Especially this week, with the Olympics starting on Friday and security at the front of everyone's minds. Jet2, the airline, say they're also investigating what went wrong. A number of airline staff have been suspended, and thankfully the boy's fine, although he's been returned safely to his parents. I say they should have let him stay out in Italy for a week. They should have given him a five-star hotel. Simon Calder is the travel editor of The Independent. Good morning, Simon. Simon? Oh, oh hello. Hello, Simon. Are you all right? Can you talk? Oh, I can, I can, yes. Good. Thank but, you uh, very much. Thanks, yeah. This is an amazing story. How can this happen in 2012? Oh, uh, very easily. Uh, well, not very easily. Uh, you, you can see exactly what uh, went wrong here. Okay, so if you are going uh, to board a flight illegally, then uh, you need to um, pass three checks. Uh, the first one, as you know, is just showing your boarding pass to get onto an aircraft at the uh, at, at the very first stage. Sorry, to, to get through into the security. Security, check. yeah. Okay, so you go through that, and that's the only point at which uh, Manchester Airport um, slipped up, and that was regrettable, but um, not by any means the end of the world. Uh, The next thing you have to do is to get through the um, uh, departure lounge onto the flight, and for that you you are supposed to have a passport and a boarding pass. Uh, He managed to uh, evade that check as well. The one point at which I think there are um, security concerns to answer is actually um, the the head count that should have taken place on the flight um, that was due to uh, uh, that that before it pushes back. Because you see, the stewards and the stewardesses walk around with one of those little clickers, don't you? Just counting yeah. and making sure everyone's on there that's meant to be there. Yeah, and that's what the that's what the airline will be focusing on in terms of why why wasn't that done or why wasn't it picked up? Um, and it may just have been a you know, simple matter of, 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 of um, uh, bad counting, but um, that's that's the only issue. Uh, you know, if if a eleven year old uh, smart um, uh, willful seeks to see what uh, he can do, then it is. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm frankly not surprised that he could get as far as the aircraft uh, what surprises me is that he, he could actually get as far as Rome is, uh, <laughs> I think they should have let him stay there for a week they should have you know, said well done you've shown initiative go and stay yeah, in a hotel well, for a week very funny watching Twitter this morning they said there were kinds of jokers saying um, uh, free flights to Rome you have to be uh, under 16 and travelling without your parents um, contact Jet 2 <laughs> <laughs> but this doesn't worry you the fact that he got through the airport that kind of strikes me as a little bit Unsettling. Oh, no, 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 not at all. You can completely see how it happened. Uh, the security check is um, looking at things that could comprise a threat to the safety of a flight, yep. and um, that that is the uh, that that's the crucial aspect that everyone will be um, that that everyone is focused on. The fact that somebody who appears to be with a family group isn't with that family group is not not material at that stage. Simon, one quick question, going off on a slight tangent. Why does some, uh, sometimes when I go through the airport, I have to take my shoes off, and other times I don't? It, it seems very inconsistent. Uh, yes, um, well, inconsistency is actually not a bad thing uh, when it comes to security. Consistency is the enemy of good security, uh, because um, if you know every time you go through an airport that the procedure is going to be exactly the same, then you can develop ways to circumvent that if you are an evil person. Um, frankly, 
I would be perfectly happy to um, go to Luton Airport. Sometimes I get searched, sometimes I don't. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I think that that would be a, a good way to... You know, sometimes I'm like, Interesting. I'm always happy to be searched. I'd, you know, I'd, I would rather be searched and something get found on someone than, you know, something terrible happen. So I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just curious. Simon, thank you very much for, for talking to us. I know you're very busy, so I shall let you go. Um, it seems incredible. I think the, the poor lad, he's 11 years old. He's shown initiative. Let him go and stay in Rome for a bit. Have a holiday. He deserved it. We've been talking throughout the show about your high streets and the Mary Portas money. Some of um, some of the places have been awarded £50,000, some have been awarded £100,000. Mary and Hemel. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. What do you make of this? Well, I, I, I was thinking that by the time they've probably awarded £50,000 to an advisor, how to sort it out, and a little bit to the councillors as well... Uh, I suppose they'll be lucky if there's £5,000 left, and that'll probably pay for some bobber job young men in the scouts to go around and pick up some of the litter. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of a joke, actually. Well, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm sure there are no backhanders being given. I'm sure this is all legitimate and completely above board. But it, it, you're saying that it's not enough money, and it's not really going to do anything to benefit the high street? I can't see it. It's too small. Too small an amount. Uh, I know that I can understand the people wanting more shops there, but... If the economy is bad, nobody's going to open up a shop uh, because they're not going to take the risk of, you know, not getting any sales. So then that's a private concern anyway. But £100,000 in this day and age is absolutely nothing. What would you like to see in your high street, Mary, that isn't there now? In my high street... Well, actually, our little high street, the, we're Hemel Hempstead, mm. and it, it's quite a pretty little high street, actually. It is it? very nice. To do, yes. Uh, that's not bad. But And Dunstable, people constantly going on about Dunstable. I went through Dunstable last Christmas, and it was charming. Because I thought it was really quite pretty. There we go. We've, we've got our, our uh, Dunstable thumbs up. Very quickly, Mary, while you're on the line, David Beckham, should he be playing the football, the, the Team GB in the Olympics? Well, well, I don't think we're going to do wonderfully well anyway in the Olympics, and as he's a little bit pasty, I think he should have been there anyway, just for being there because he's such a been such a great ambassador for this country. Darcy Sato on the Twitter said, "If Bex wants something to do, give him a job as a border guard. Everyone's a winner. How good would that be? You come through passport control, and David Beckham's there checking your passport." Oh, you saying that? Somebody wrote a letter in the Daily Mail yesterday saying that about if uh, security put on Olympic security because none of the women would mind being frisked by David Beckham. Yeah, I do with some of the gentlemen as well. I wouldn't mind being frisked by David Beckham. Mary, thank you very much for that. Saying £100,000, not enough money. It's not a lot of money, is it? Really, in the great scheme of things, to, to change and reshape a high street. Got some text on David Beckham. This should David Beckham be in Team GB drives me nuts, says Adam. There's only one question. In the coach's view, is he a good enough footballer? End of... Uh, and David Beckham has done well. He's a global brand, proper nice guy, but perhaps going to America hasn't helped his Olympic hopes. It'd be nice if he was part of the team, but let's face it, England won't win and probably won't even get a bronze. Not in the top five anyway. Is that true? Is, is the Team GB pretty poor? Is anyone really taking the football in the Olympics seriously as well? I mean, it's, 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 it's not... It's not, it's not the running or the jumping. The running and the jumping are the proper sports. I'll give you the rowing, and with Bradley Wiggins, the, the bikes... They're kind of considered the proper sports. But, but football in the Olympics, is it the proper sport, really? Not totally convinced that it is. We'll see. It all kicks off on Friday, isn't it? Hey, it's exciting. Very exciting.
Beds, hearts and bugs news. BBC Three Counties Radio. These are your headlines this morning, Wednesday the 25th of July on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hatfield has been chosen as one of 15 towns across the country to revive its high street as part of the second wave in the Mary Porter's pilot. The Hertfordshire town will get a share of £1.5 million, but Bedfordshire town Dunstable misses out again. A teenage karate teacher is due to be sentenced today after being convicted of stabbing his 19-year-old girlfriend to death on Boxing Day as she babysat two young children in Boreham Wood. In sport, Watford recorded their first win in pre-season with a 2-0 victory in Ireland against Cork City. And the weather for Beds, Hearts and Bucks, hot and sunny once again with the top temperature 29 degrees Celsius. After nine... JVS is here with the phone in today. He's asking, do you do anything to support your high street? So we've just arrived here to Woburn... Oh, I do apologise. I was expecting to go to this. There we go. Here's something I wasn't expecting to see. Thames Valley Police will host its first live web chat tonight between 6 and 7.30pm. It's an opportunity for you to voice any concerns you have about High Wycombe. You'll be able to get involved with matters such as serious youth violence and stop and search. Chief Inspector uh, Colin Seaton is hosting the web chat and joins me now. Good morning, Chief Inspector. Good morning, Ian, and to all your listeners. How is this going to work? Uh, it's, you, you log onto a website uh, called Cover It Live, uh, and it enables us to have uh, two-way dialogue uh, with our communities that, uh, that log in uh, and ask questions of us. What's the aim of this? The aim of it, really, is to have that two-way engagement and two-way dialogue um, uh, with senior police officers that uh, members of the community uh, don't always have the opportunity to have. Uh, so, so that's got to be a really good thing. Because some people would say, well, why aren't you going out and meeting people? Why are you, why are you hiding behind a screen? Well, w- what we do have is uh, we have our police community support officers, we have our police officers, uh, and, and they are out on the street, uh, which is really important. Visibility is, is the main thing for us. But also there are people uh, that are inside their homes that do have the opportunity, that want to talk to senior police officers that are, are at the heart of decision-making in policing. How do people submit their questions, Colin? Uh, it, it, it's very, very easy. You log into the website uh, and, and you literally type in a question, a little bit like you would uh, on Twitter. Right. Uh, but I think you can use much more, m- many more words. So you can you can ask quite an open and frank question, and you will get an instant answer. And can the other people? who are logged in see the other questions that are going in yes they can so which is important as well because it then uh, stimulates a, a, a debate uh, about a particular subject for example i hope you've got someone monitoring this colin because i've done web chats and you just get a load of idiots on there typing nonsense and abuse are you ready for a bit of that well you, 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 it, we do understand that some that sometimes yeah. happens uh, but at the end of the day, I think uh, the benefits um, uh, outweigh that uh, in terms of people wanting to have sensible chat and want questions answered by the police. What sort of issues, uh, issues can people talk about? Or is, is it anything? It, it, it literally is anything. But uh, serious youth violence is a concern, antisocial behaviour, crime and what the police are doing about reducing crime and, uh, and, and making our communities safer. And they're the things that we really do want to talk about. Do you think other police forces might take up... The- this idea. Is this the first time this has been done? Well, it's certainly the first time it's been done in Thames Valley, yeah. and, and, and the, uh, the first time I believe it's been done at this level with senior police officers from a, uh, a particular police area. Um, uh, I'm really excited about it, uh, and I think it would be a 
really good thing for people to talk to us uh, and talk to us about their concerns. What's the web address? Where do people go so they can they can join in tonight? Uh, it's it, it's Cover It Live. Um, it will be uh, on the at TVP underscore Wickham Twitter address. Okay. Um, so uh, please follow us on there, uh, but you can go to the Cover It Live website. Just put Cover It Live on Google. You will find us. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much. That's Chief Inspector Colin Seaton. Uh, from Thames Valley Police. Uh, you can join their web chat between 6 and 7.30pm. You can also pre-submit a question via the hashtag ThinkGang. Hashtag ThinkGang. Uh, interesting, isn't it? See if it, if it works. I've done web chats before. And I hope this doesn't happen to you. You're not going to do this to a copper, are you? But I've had web chats where you just get abuse. I've just had abuse on Twitter this morning. Blocked two people already. The internet is a, is a, a strange and mysterious and, uh, let's say, slimy place. Uh, but you're not going to cheek a copper on the internet, are you? No, don't. Be interesting. Fingers crossed that that works. The London 2012 Olympic Games kicks off later today with the opening match of the women's football between Britain and New Zealand. Today also sees the opening of the controversial Olympic lanes across London and other parts of the country. So can people get to see the Games without too many traffic problems? Our reporter Justin Dealey has been to the London Gateway Services, probably for a fry-up, also to file this report on the M1. Sean, you're about to drive into London. If you drive in these Olympic lanes, you're going to get fined £130. What's your reaction to that? I think it's absolutely disgusting. It really is. I mean, we come down to London quite often and we need all the lanes we can get. The amount of people that come down, like, I think it's totally out of order. So, obviously, going into the capital today, what about in the next few weeks? Is it, is it going to be a case of you simply avoiding the area because you just can't be bothered with the chaos? Well, we, we, I, I only work for small business anyway, and we're in London quite often, and we, we have to come back down again next week. So the boss is not going to turn around and say, well, we can't do it. If we go in the lanes, we're going to have to go in the lanes. The job's got to be done. I suppose it's the same with every company. So as a company, you would be prepared to go in that lane and take the fine if it meant getting to your job quicker? Of course, yeah. I mean, we travel three and a half hours to get into London and you can spend a couple of few hours, as it is, without these lanes. Just getting a couple of miles will take you up to an hour. It's going to double, treble, take you up to four hours now, I'm sure. It's really, really interesting what you're saying. Just down at the bottom of the motorway, we've got the North Circular down there. Uh, Olympic lanes do start on the North Circular. Do you think... There will be a lot of other motorists like you who will ignore that because you're going to lose money unless you take the fine, get in the lane and get to your job quicker. I think a lot of people are going to start using the lanes. Uh, hopefully, if so many people do use the lanes, it's like the, when the fuel prices went up, just, you know, they block the roads, open, they could do something. Hopefully, everybody does use, do use these lanes and somebody's going to think, hang on, London's coming, unless people do use it, London's going to come to a complete standstill. So, Andy, again, somebody who's about to go into London, into the capital, these Olympic lanes, £130 uh, with the fine, is that outrageous? I, I can understand the, the thinking behind it. That The worrying aspect I have is that uh, there has been very little information that's been uh, sent out to, to people travelling in and out of London. And I think a lot of people are going to incur fines without actually realising they've incurred a fine and they will receive something through the post from the government. And this is the thing that I can't understand, is that um, people are paying yet again for the Olympics. Um, but I do, you know, in the same sentence, truly understand why roads have been blocked off. It's just the fact that there isn't enough information out there to assist the motorist. 
that gentleman suggesting that all drivers kind of join forces and drive in the lanes. That's insane, isn't it? Because you'll all get fines. You'll all get this 130 quid fine. That's a ridiculous protest. I, I wouldn't. He can be the first one to start that, and we'll see who follows, shall we? I'm st- I'm steering well clear, literally, of those Olympic lanes. I don't want to pay 130 quid. I was gutted pay- paying 100 pounds yesterday for my new lawnmower that I broke within 30 seconds. I was so annoyed. This is the ongoing saga of my lawnmower. I do apologise. It, it, it should be a private affair. But it's turned into... Uh, I, I was so grumpy yesterday. It was hot. I was tired. I'd had to, I've already gone to the, the shop to buy the lawnmower and bought something for my little boy. Then I got back and the thing for my little boy didn't work, so I had to go back. And then my wife was kind of looking at me and saying, well, when are you going to get the lawnmower out and fix the lawn? Cut the lawn. Have I got to? Well, yes. Literally. And I don't use that word lightly. I hate people who use that word all the time, and they, don't, they literally don't mean literally. But within 30 seconds of me starting the lawnmower, I went over another big rock and totally battered the blade. S in Milton Keynes says, sounds like you should move the rock. It wasn't the same rock, S. It wasn't the same... It was in the, this one was in the front garden. The original one was in the back garden. How can I have so many big rocks? I'm never, ever going to mow the lawn ever again. My wife can do it. I hate it. Tomorrow we'll do, we'll do jobs that you hate doing, because it's my least favourite job. When I lived in a flat a couple of years ago, I had the upstairs flat, the people downstairs obviously had the downstairs flat, and we, the garden was ours. We shared it. 50-50. It was always me that mowed the lawn. They would never do it. And I'd do that. Th- and they were a lovely couple. Very responsible. They would never mow the lawn. Maybe twice in a year. And I would do that thing of letting it get really long. And it just meant it was harder for me when I had to do it. Em in Watford says, Why didn't you buy a lawnmower with plastic blades? Much easier and cheaper to replace. Well, I, d- I didn't know you could do that, Em. To be honest. I, w- I foolishly went for the same model of lawnmower that I had before. It served me well up until now. Now, we've been asking for nice comments about Dunstable. We kind of... Mary's phone call was quite nice about Dunstable. We allowed that. That was one. And then, Bob, we've got a text um, with something nice about Dunstable. This is from Bob. Dunstable is a nice little town. That's it. That's that's it. Sums it all up. That's all we could get. I'm surprised. I'm going to have to go to Dunstable and check it out. It's been years since I've been there. Uh, Because it's it's taken uh, quite a bashing today and i i think that's a little bit unfair isn't it? It, it it would seem to be a little bit unfair who knows um we've got graham in luton hello graham hello ian y- y- lawnmowers yeah you're lawn- you're a bit of a devil with these lawnmowers aren't you i'm glad you checked what you were going to say then and called me a- yes let's say devil I, I'm, I'm having a nightmare with them graham what you should have done was walk over your lawn before you start to cut it sorry what good would that do to check there's no big rocks or stones come up. Because Uh what happens when it rains, and as we've had a lot of rain, all the stones come to the top of the ground. Do they? Yeah, that's why when they put in sports field, I don't know if you've seen it, but they put a material down to stop the stones coming up. Oh, man alive. It's cost me another... £100 for the lawnmower, Graham. 20 quid to buy a new blade. Why'd you buy a new one? Well, because the blade was broken. That's what happened. It, it, it bent it. Well, yeah, but you could straighten that. Oh, for goodness sakes. How do you straighten a lawnmower blade? In a vice. <laughs> Graham, I've got to go because, uh, listen, have you not listened to any of these shows? I am the most untechnically minded person in the world. Why would I have a vice? Of course I haven't got a vice. 
Even if I did have advice, I would have no idea how to straighten a lawnmower blade. Graham, thank you very much. It's amazing that the lawnmower is the one thing that has completely grabbed your attention. Um, oh, my radio man has just frozen there. Let's just try and see. Oh, there we go. Maybe we can get this to work. Just about. Fantastic. Sophie, you did well to get that in there. Thank you very much. That's it uh, until tomorrow at six o'clock, when no doubt you'll hear more about my blooming lawnmower nightmares. Do stick around after nine o'clock. It's Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.